What's up, everyone? Welcome to G -G -G Game Face 109. I'll never do that again. No, let's not do that again. <laughs> right here on Sifted.net, we're going to run through all the big news in gaming for the week and have some fun in the process. Uh, a couple housekeeping things before we really get rolling with the show. Uh, Pactor Factor, we are shooting it tomorrow morning. Uh, it ended up being kind of a rush shoot because Pat contacted me, said he's leaving for Thanksgiving, something or other. He's not coming back for like two weeks. <laughs> so we need questions like for... going. Yeah, exactly. So we need questions for Pactor Factor. That, I have to be there at his place at like ungodly hours tomorrow. So get the questions into Pactor Factor. Even though he just talked about how he likes being able to get up later. And yeah, I know. Yeah. Late, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny. <laughs> but uh, get questions in for Pactor Factor. There's promotion right on the homepage, right at the top there. Click on it. Go to the message board thread. Alternately, you can reply to the tweets that we sent out about it, but we need them. We're shooting it early tomorrow, so please get those in. Secondly, Matt, I'm coming back with another Patreon Drive Marathon stream. Uh-oh. Not 24 hours. All right. <laughs> We're going to be doing a Black Friday Patreon Drive stream. The hard time is set for 12 hours. We'll see how I feel after the 12 hours, and I'll see and see if we have You're momentum. If I'm having fun, we'll, if I'm having fun well, and there's we'll momentum, we'll keep rocking. Uh, but the plan right now is for a 12-hour live stream on Black Friday. I think Black Friday is a good day because everyone's just spending money like crazy on Black mm -hmm. Friday. So hopefully that gives a little bit of a boost to our Patreon. The Patreon has gone down over the last, I don't know, like week or so. Uh, when everybody turned over for November, a lot of people bailed out. So we want to get those people back in and get some new people in. So we're going to be doing a live stream for that. But uh, otherwise, this week, kind of uh, the one week of, of the Q4 that's a little more quiet yeah because you gotta you gotta let black friday do itself you yeah know? you gotta gotta you can't be throwing stuff right out there and like suddenly it's just going to be on discount no one's going to buy your thing because they're busy buying you know 300 4k tvs and yeah targets buy two get one free thing there was a thing on games GameStop last night i don't know if you noticed where there was all these pricing errors if you had a pro like the Power you tested me about thing. that yeah like you could like because the rewards were stacking weird like the, the discounts were stacking weird you could get uh, Kingdom Hearts 1.5, 2.5 Remix for PS4 for free. Wow. Uh, uh, Final Fantasy 15 for Xbox One was coming up as free. Horizon Zero Dawn was coming up as 9.99 instead of 34.99. Wow. Um, tons of crate. Like they were basically stacking a 15% off and a 20% off deal at the same time. I think, and it was just they were they were stacking and instead of like being percentage wise, they were just sort of doubling and just they took the whole thing off i did order kingdom hearts another, oh, wow. another copy of kingdom hearts so. do you think it'll ship hasn't hasn't canceled yet i mean wow. they, it says like that will cancel this at any moment for any reason uh, for no day. so they, they might disclaimers in there now but we'll see from like, prior screw-ups yeah. basically but uh yeah it was it was a quick little thing but it's like that's fun you know it's a fun little black friday moment i think it goes back to what you're saying last week too how people are scattering from call of duty yeah and which is smart because we've seen what happens when publishers try to go toe to toe with that game, and it, it's not pretty. No, so no, it's, it makes it's, sense. It's not selling what it used to, but it's still the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Yeah, which is a mixed metaphor, but yeah. you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> One thing I will say before we get into the show is that we are not talking about Sonic Forces today. Um, for whatever reason, in the back of my mind, I had assumed Matt would probably play it. I, but I he looks like I'm I crazy. Take that as an insult. Like I'm not being. <laughs> Well, I think everybody knows you're, you, at least you used to be a pretty big uh, Sega fan. A Sega so I, fan doesn't make me a Sonic fan. It doesn't I make mean, you a masochist, right? Right. <laughs> Review yeah, I was saying, I was not saying you good. before the show, like, I, 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 played Ma I played Mania, and before that, I think the last Sonic came about was Generations, and before that was Colors, and before that might have been Adventure 2. Like, yeah, I, yeah. 
I mean, I'm not a. I, I gave up on that a long. I mean, I played 2006 and Unleashed and Black Knight and all those things on like you know, at the company copies at X Play or whatever. Right. But like, I didn't buy them. Yeah. Like maybe I maybe I bought Unleashed for like five bucks at some point years later. But like at launch, I don't know. I got, I got more entertainment I, I out of reading the reviews of Sonic Forces than I would <laughs> out of the game. I should have known your intelligence would win out over your heart in this one. Oh, um, that's the thing. Is like, I don't have a lot of heart for Sonic. I, I, yeah. I like the first two games and I'm kind of good after that. And I like Sonic Adventure because it was just the first one because it was, you know, I got to import Dreamcast in 98 and it came out like right after, the day, I think the day after Christmas. Yeah. And so I got the Dreamcast, the import Dreamcast for Christmas and then I went to the import store in Burlingame uh, Network Video and I got uh, the import copy of Sonic Adventure and I took it home and I started to play it and I got to that part with the tornado and I just started laughing because I did, couldn't believe something <laughs> looked that good. So right. like it has a nice memory, yeah. but if you really get down to it, did I have fun fishing for frogs? No, not really. It yeah. was, you know, and, and so it was one of those, it's, Sonic Adventure games are those games that are kind of like, I wasn't ready to admit it yet, and like once we got past Sonic Adventure and we hit like Sonic 2006, well, I that was, was just the like, death I mean, you couldn't walk, you couldn't <laughs> ignore that. Yeah. You know? And like now you go back to, I mean, I gave Sonic Adventure two on the GameCube. I think like a four out of five, or maybe it was a Dream on the Dreamcast on a four out of five when it came out on uh, extended play. It would have been then. And uh, you go back to that now, and it's just like, mmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe not for the time, but it did not hold up. I at gave all. it a six point eight at GameSpot, and you would have thought that the world ended. I, I mean, mean, that's I, almost a seven. That's pretty good for that game, really. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's but, barely one point below what I gave it. Well, what happened was Shahed Ahmed, one of my mm-hmm. co-editors there, him, yeah. he had reviewed the Dreamcast version first. Which he had given like a, I think it was like a nine point six. Yeah, the Dreamcast version reviewed pretty well, but you're, so the you're, you're, you're in the GameCube one, Battle or whatever. Yeah, that was. and I gave it a six point eight, and oh my god, it was like the like, sky was falling. Sega I feel fans like by the time me. that game hit the GameCube, you were being pretty accurate there. Yeah, I feel like like games advanced a lot in terms of three D control and platforming and camera in those few years. Yeah, and oh, I mean, even looking at like Super Mario sixty four or something like that, or Banjo. The camera in that compared to the camera in the Dreamcast version of Sonic Adventure mm. still was not not a good comparison. Well, part of it because so. you just don't have a the Sonic guys did more, so you lose more buttons, so you, you couldn't yeah. use the buttons for the camera like in Mario. Right, and uh, I mean even Son- uh, Super Mario for the Sunshine, days of dual analog sticks. Well, even Super Mario Sunshine has some camera problems. It does and for sure. You know, even though they had the little little C stick going C, on the C nub. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, across the history of my career, that review is one of the ones that I got the most heat for, as far mm-hmm. as fans just like coming at me. That was also when GameSpot was in like its heyday. Like, well, it, it took was, a long time. Like I mean, number one by a mile. Yeah, and, I mean, you were you were kind of the premier review. I mean, people were just assuming this is the review everyone will see and go by because it's GameStop. Oh yeah, GameSpot. we just had millions and millions of people reading each review, and it just got it got nasty. Mm-hmm. That in amped freestyle snowboarding. For Xbox. Oh, because you didn't like that. I, I hated yeah. it. I hated it. And for some reason, Xbox comes onto the market and had some of the most rabid fanboys. Like, I immediately. I have no proof of this, but I always figured they were like the Saturn fans. I don't know. The Dreamcast. The, the, it was totally the perplexing. Sega fans jumping from like one lost cause to the next yeah. kind of thing. Oh, Microsoft of, actually turned out pretty well, but that was one of those reviews where I actually got called into the office. <laughs> Because of the feedback, because other outlets had For given amped? it yes, because other outlets wow. had given it high scores, and I just thought it was complete garbage, like garbage. 
And uh, I got called into Greg's office. He's like, oh, you know, your review's a lot lower than everybody else's. And we're getting emails from people that are angry about it. And he's like, you know, I'm just hoping you could... There's only one way to settle this on the slopes. No, I let him play it. <laughs> and that game, like you just you could not even just carve down the hill. Oh, yeah, it was very hard to play. It was insane. And I mean I chalked that up to me not knowing how snowboarding works. But yeah. like because that I mean the sports and especially the action sports, extreme sports stuff, like if I didn't like one of those things, I never really said anything about it because I yeah. didn't know any I don't know anything about skateboarding or snowboarding or anything like that beyond like what I learned playing Tony Hawk. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I would never be like, Oh, I think you know I think uh, wakeboarding unleashed is a ridiculously simplistic simulation. It's like no, I just like ah, I don't really like this. I'm just gonna leave it alone. Well it was a big lesson for me too as a critic because and maybe even it still exists, but they're kind of at that point was this prevailing opinion that the more realistic you could make a 3D mm-hmm. game, the better it was. No, that was definitely a thing. People yeah. were like striving, and critics were like, "Well, this isn't realistic." So right. this is, and and I and and some of us were like, uh, "In Tony Hawk, you can grind like four days. Like, there's yeah. No, like, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. nothing it's realistic about fun. Tony Hawk. It's, it's just fun, fun to play." And amped, literally, it was realistic. And snowboarding is yeah. freaking hard. And the game was harder than actual real snowboarding. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just didn't have any fun with it. So he called me in. He played it for a little bit. And he was like, oh, I get it. So yeah. you're totally fine. So It had nice snow physics for the yeah. time. But, like, yeah. no, I played that for a game for, like, an hour. And I'm just like, I'm going back to Halo. I think a lot of people were obsessed with just how good everything looked on Xbox. Oh, yeah, it looked great. And I think a lot of people let that cloud their judgment yeah. on whether the games were actually good or not think, to play. There's something similar to that Sonic effect happening there where, like, I think there's a lot of people that just maybe to this day have been waiting for 1080 yeah. and 64 to be equaled because yeah. I love that game. That's no, a great game, I don't even man. care about snowboarding, but I love that game. The physics in that game were good. See, yeah. they were realistic enough. Mm-hmm. They were realistic, so you felt like you were really carving and the edges <laughs> reacted accurately to the snow, but it wasn't so realistic that it was maddening. Right. You don't want it to be realistic. You just want it to be believable. Yeah. And amped, like, the tricks were, like, impossible to pull. I just hated it. So, one of those lessons that I've learned right. throughout the years uh, working in games journalism. But anyway, back from our non sequitur, let's get on with the show. We kind of did discuss Sonic Forces. We did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> In a roundabout way, even though neither one of us have played it. So, first we're going to talk today about Need for Speed Payback. Um, I've been playing this game for the last couple days. That subtitle mostly references what you want the store to do. (laughs) No, that's funny. I was actually made that joke before (laughs) before you showed up. I was like, I think it's called Payback because that's what the store is going to have to do if you buy this game. They're going to have to pay you back for it. Uh, I'm sure some of you guys have seen the reviews out there. They're not wrong. They are accurate. This game is bad. Like, really mm. bad. I hovered around pl- like buying it the night before it came out. Because I'm like, well, do I want it? I mean, we'd probably talk about it. And I just sort of figured... I figured you would play this. I did. And I could handle... <laughs> and I would play Horizon Frozen Wilds because that came out the same yeah. night. And that's like level 30 content that I knew you wouldn't be able to play. Right. So I'm just like, I'm just going to let Shane handle <laughs> Thanks, Need Matt. For Speed. I appreciate that. I made a command decision without letting you know there. <laughs> so uh, Need for Speed Payback, it's basic. Look, can you see the textures drawing in right there, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> it's basically EA trying to make a Fast and Furious game. The plot is you're in this quote-unquote crew of drivers... Is that uh, why everybody looks... Every male character looks like... Uh, uh, 
Brian from Fast and the Furious, like yeah. Paul Walker. I mean, they it's a blatant attempt to completely rip off Fast and Furious. That's, that's really good aliasing on the 7 on the license plate. Yeah, right? I mean, the, the graphics in this game have all kinds of problems. Like, textures, like, pop in and out. The... The texture quality jumps yeah. all over the place. Sometimes you look at a car and the textures look like they're like 8-bit textures. And, and just watching pop. you play, it was like, it seems like there's a lot of solved issues that are issues in this game. It's not polished by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's, it is plot-driven. Um, you're a part of this driving crew in basically what is a fictional Las Vegas. Uh, they don't call it Las, Las Vegas, but that's exactly what it is. And you're a part of this driving crew that's really close-knit. You're kind of underground you do some stuff that's not really on the up and up and right at the early part of the game one of your crew members betrays you uh really screws you over you're supposed to deliver a car to this guy the car does not get delivered so you're indebted to this guy and i'm guessing the most expensive car in the world is what like two and a half million three million what's a so, veyron it's up there yeah, yeah it's like i mean three. one of those like limited edition we made five of them bugattis yeah yeah and uh for whatever reason because you don't deliver this car you basically are, are have, like given your life to this like rich smuck and schmuck in las vegas so you have to start working for him and you end up driving for him and so this, was this like a was this like a crime thing or a legit delivery? It was a legit delivery. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's shady elements among your crew. Like people were saying, like, oh, we should just take the car and sell it, and blah blah blah. So your crew isn't exactly like a, a bunch of upstanding citizens in the first place. So essentially, you can, you don't fail to deliver the car. You're now indebted to this rich guy, and then you start getting mixed up in the world of underground street driving. And from there, it's pretty much like every other street racing game you've ever played. Here's your crew here. Of course, it's, you know, <laughs> nice and diverse, the perfect uh -huh. diversity. Um, the game itself, so it is an open world drive. every game. protagonist looks like they're related to Nathan Drake? Oh, I know. It's just like gen the generic white guy, so to speak. Um, so the game itself, it is technically an open world driving game. You have like the open Las Vegas that you can drive around in. Um, there isn't a lot to do, though. It's not like... I mean, I guess maybe I should it's just like start. The, it's not like the crew where there's like events everywhere or anything. Or Forza Horizon. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially, the best way to describe this game is EA's attempt to make Forza Horizon. And unfortunately, because we have Forza Horizon 3 to compare it to, it fails miserably. Mm. Um, but it, it's set up very much the same way. There's like signs that you have to break through. There are old abandoned cars that you can find and then fix up. The problem is every single element of Need for Speed Payback is done more poorly than they're done in Forza Horizon. So first, right off the bat, if you own an Xbox and you're interested in a street race, just go buy Forza Horizon 3 immediately. Mm. Don't even think about this game. The problem is you have PlayStation 4 owners out there. Oh, that headlight's terrible. Yeah, I mean, visually the game is, is not a looker. Unfortunately, the problem is you have PlayStation 4 owners out there who are looking for a really good street right. racing game and are hoping maybe this might be it. This is absolutely not it. It, uh... A lot of the elements from prior Need for Speed games have been is tweaked or footage? changed. It is, yeah. God, the frame rate. Yep. Like, how? How is that happening in a final release game? I don't know. But it's... it's that's, I mean, there are other Need for Speeds that don't have this problem. That's literally the... Frostbite again? It is, yeah. I, that, Couldn't you tell by the character mods? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but trust me, the visuals in this game are the least of its problems. Like, the actual gameplay, for me, has been a complete disaster. Um... Some of the first races I, I had to try multiple times to get through because everything's just so random. Mm. Uh, there is traffic in all the races, so sometimes you just come around a turn and there's just a car in the lane. 
and you hit it. I know some people will like that element of it. Um, it became frustrating for me after I had retried a bunch of races in a row, and you're finally in first place, and you come around a turn, and you just mash into somebody. Um, the crash physics, crashes obviously have kind of become a big thing in the Need for Speed franchise. And there are, they stop making burnout. Right, and there are cop chases in this as well, although they don't really like patrol the open world and like see you doing something wrong mm. and then come after you. It's all triggered by linear story sequences, essentially. Hmm. Um, and then so the cops chase you, and the crash physics in this game are a disaster. I had a cop come up to my right and literally, I mean, he didn't even hit me hard enough to scratch the paint on my car, and it literally just flew off the road and like shot into like a road sign. <laughs> so the crash physics in it are crazy. Sometimes like competitors will come up on you and will just barely touch you, and they'll just careen off the road and like smash into a wall. Um, as you're seeing here, there are off-road and on, again, just like Forza Horizon, there are off-road and on-road elements. I will say one thing, that the car diversity is really good. Not Again, not as good as Horizon 3, but really good. Um, there are tons and tons of different cars of all di different disciplines, of all different eras. Um, like a little bit after this, you, you race in like a 240Z. Mm. Uh, and the, hand the handling characteristics are extremely different from one car to another. I can't say that I really feel like I like them all that much. Uh, one thing I've discovered is that a lot of times in a lot of racing games, you use the brake around turns. In this game, you really don't. Like, you just... Yeah, a lot of the reviews have said, like, you, you feather the brake on the hard stuff, but basically you're just holding the accelerator. Yeah. And because it's funny, too, because... The, and this is a testament to how the handling is in this game, is I cannot get a handle on whether I should just crank the stick all the way and it'll make the turn, or I need to brake and power slide around them. It has taken me forever to get a handle on it. And as the cars change and you get new cars, it just becomes even more challenging. Uh, speaking of which, new cars are kind of hard to come by. Like I said earlier, you can find some like hidden out in hidden areas, like barn finds from mm -hmm. Forza Horizon 3. That's in there. But as far as the cars that they give you for the game, it's not especially generous. Um, typically, you get a new car as a part of uh, the story sequence or whatever. Um, what else? Let's see. The reviews have said there's a lot of grinding in it. Is that yes, true? Yes, yes, there is. So, um, progression is really, really slow in this game. Like I was saying, like that's part and parcel with the cars. You don't get as many mm -hmm. cars as you do in other games. Um, and, I, and I think a big part of that is that they're trying to get you to spend money with microtransactions. And, and so there's, there's active predatory yes. behavior. Yes, yep. I, absolutely there is. Yeah, it is dirty. It's one of the dirtiest games I've seen this year as far mm -hmm. as, like, hey, we're going to throttle your progress in this game so that you start to get fed up with it and you start spending money on it instead. Um, which is a shock to me after all the backlash. It's not just recently, but this entire year, really. This has kind of been the year of like the loot box microtransaction backlash mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. But it's also because they started finally showing up in games we don't want to ignore. You know, like that's yeah. kind of what happened is like the core gamers have generally sort of ignored that sort of microtransaction loot box driven game because most of it was mobile or most of it was casual and now it's in games that we want to play. No, you're right. And yeah. so now it's a problem. Um, I think EA so far has proven to be the worst in terms Even of though it's listened to It has listened for Battlefront 2. But the yeah. Battlefront 2 thing really feels more like, well, we didn't get away with that than, rather no, than right. like kind of, you know, it, it feels like they tried, it didn't work, so they were ready to pull back if they want, but, but they sure wish it would have worked, you know? Uh, I, th I think uh, in terms of like impacting the actual game and how you play it and your experience as a player, I think EA seems to be the least 
the least pro-consumer in that. In, a, in an anti-consumer realm, I think EA is proving to be the worst so far. Yeah, the other thing I should add about this game, too, is the multiplayer, instead of being embedded into the open world where maybe you can just cruise up to an, another player and just challenge him and go. In many of the previous Need for Speed games. Right. It's in a separate option in this game, mm. and it's also locked away until you get to a certain place in the campaign. It won't even let you play multiplayer. Huh. So... I have a litany of issues with this game. I have not particularly enjoyed my time playing it. However, we are going to play it live here for a little bit. And look, we've listened to you guys. We heard your cries after last week's episode about the play view being too long. And I think what's happened is that you we can, don't realize how long you it don't. Is. You completely lose your sense yeah. of time. We while came you're out of call. Games. We came out of the show last week, and we're like, "Oh, what was going?" And Sam's like, "Call of Duty was forty minutes." Guys. Yeah, and yeah. We're so like, we apologize yeah, we no for idea. that. Um, we have instructed Sam to give us a heads up this time. To make sure we do not play the game live as long as we had. Uh, I thought the first week was okay, maybe a little long. Last week was entirely too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are keeping an eye on it, and thank you for and your feedback. I think feedback. there was a, you know, there was some feedback that was like you should, you know, you should use the play view to to pick a, an area of the game that we want to highlight or talk about yeah. and stuff. And I think that's, going forward, that's a good good yeah. choice. And look, it is a new feature of the show. We're still going through some growing pains, but I like what it brings to the show. I like being able to demo a game live to you guys. Uh, but I agree with you. We do need to be have a little more brevity with it, I think. Um, so thank you for your feedback. We are always listening to you guys when you give us suggestions about the show. Uh, and the best part is that our people deliver the feedback in a positive way. Mm-hmm. They're not negative. They're not hateful and angry. So that yeah, helps They're very the constructive feedback. write-ups. Yep. So love it. Keep it coming. But we are going to do another play of you, a very short one. I just want to kind of show you guys how the open world works and kind of how the game works. It's not going to take. We're not going to take that long with it. So bring it up, Sam. So here's the open world. Um, this is still pretty early into the game, and I'll bring up the map here really quickly, but you can see how huge the map is. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of room to do stuff I don't want to do. It, right, and one thing I would say is it is kind of too big. Like, you mm-hmm. get out into these more disparate areas out in the suburbs, so to speak, and there's really nothing there and nothing to do. And because it is Las Vegas, the terrain is extremely boring. Yeah, do you feel like we're hitting a point where some, you know, game publishers just want you to be... to to pull the map up for the first time and be like, oh my god, it's so big. Like, regardless of whether it's... Whether specified. there's something to do in it. Yeah. Sure, why not? They can just cut and paste the textures and the terrain and, and make it big. So, like in most games that have a map like this, you can set your waypoint and it'll set up a... I think you're stuck in a story thing here. Because they want you to go home. Oh, they're jibber-jabbering. Okay, so you can see down in the bottom left there, there's a map. Um, and it'll give you kind of a waypoint on uh, where you need to go. And the early part of this game, too, I would say, is extremely linear. Um, you really don't have much choice in the missions that you choose or where you go or what you do. And, and part of that I can understand because they're trying to set up the story and they want you to get involved with the characters, but they fail miserably. Um, the, and that's because the characters are just like pieces of cardboard with no no real pizzazz to them whatsoever. So, I mean, the, the characters in, even in the Fast and the Furious movies took m- multiple movies to become characters. You know, they, yeah, yeah. These, this is a hard premise to sell without like some real good ideas to back it up and I, I'm not seeing that in I mean I'm not seeing that need for speed in general these days but this doesn't seem to have anything to offer in that regard so you have a home base uh, because you owe so much money to the rich guy in Vegas you're dirt poor you can't afford your pay your rent and the guy's a jerk to you because he basically has you by the gonads um, oh and they oh, blew they it up blew your house up <laughs> he's fine <laughs> yeah why would they even bother blowing up a house like that in Las Vegas is worth about $40,000. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. It's like at that point you're like, aren't you? Aren't you just spending more money, uh, throwing good money after bad? You've already lost how much? Yeah. Oh, and also you always want to do your, uh, you know, your hardcore illegal activities uh, in the most distinctive imaginable sports car. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. In your five hundred thousand yeah. dollar whatever that was, I couldn't even tell what it was. But uh, so you do have like a home base, although you don't have it anymore now because yeah, it's just now, been exploded. Now I guess you'll, I bet you'll work out of a warehouse with a bunch <laughs> of wacky characters, <laughs> and you'll wear that shirt for the rest of the game. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good thing Nathan Drake let you borrow it. And I will say, that shirt is the most rebellious thing about the game. Oh, yeah. I like how they have to tell you. Rebel. <laughs> you should, he shouldn't have to tell you he's a rebel. You should just learn that by playing Well, maybe the game. if they make a sequel, maybe he'll tattoo it on his forehead like the Joker <laughs> in Suicide Squad. Uh, this is an arcade racing game. So the controls are really simple. Um, you have a gas, you have a brake, you have a handbrake, and then you have turbo. Uh, and if we get back to the game here, I'll show you. There's like um, a turbo meter is kind of the inside ring on the uh, the HUD at the bottom right of the screen. So, as you can see, like I said, extremely story-driven. There's lots of cutscenes. Mm -hmm. None of them are good. So is it the like, writing's poor. In terms of story-driven, uh, integrated, written better, whatever, in, compare it to uh, The Run, which is probably the last seriously story-driven one they did. I'd say it's a little better than that. Mm, but, okay. I mean, The Run is... Run like, is bottom It is barrel. so yeah. bad. I mean, this is a little better. Um, there's not much tension in it. Uh, but it's written a little better, and maybe the characters are a little more likable. Um, a, little, a little more focus tested in the in the script department. Maybe <laughs> it's still bad though. So I have to drift here, and basically you just hit your handbrake to drift. Unfortunately, I completely spun around. Good drift. Oh, good drift. <laughs> <laughs> That's freaking great. Um, I have not done a ton of drifting in this game, so I'm sure this is going to go poorly, but. They seem to like it anyway, which I guess is all that yeah, matters. You, you actually, you triggered the drift flag, I guess, which is all you need. Um, it's also like, it's weird. Maybe I, maybe you don't want it on in every racing game, but like just looking at this where you're hitting the street signs there, I miss the, uh, you know, the, the points that pop up in like Horizon and, and stuff like that. They should take the word good out of that and just say perform three drifts. Because yeah, obviously those were not good drifts. Yeah, you... you you t turn the car sideways slightly. <laughs> That's about all you can really say. Yeah. There. The other thing, too, is the game will kind of... Like, I'm not using the handbrake there. It's, it's just drifting all on its own, so... You, yeah, you're just turning hard? Yeah. Mm. It's like I said, like, you don't have to be precise with your braking in this game. Like, it's really just all analog stick to get around the turns. Like I said, I was drifting right there without even using a brake at all. Just by turning really tight and gassing it, so... So now I guess they're going to make you race... Uh, I'm guessing. Hopefully, I don't have to do drift competitions. Drift uh, competitions are probably my least favorite thing in driving games. In fact, in, even in Forza Horizon 3, like I just skip them. I do them, but like I tend to win them without real understanding why I won them. Yeah, I just end up like basically gonna... doing figure eights and spinning around in circles. Yeah, because when you watch real drifting, it it feels like a very measured and calculated, like skill-driven, like thing and when i do it in a game it's just like sideways as long as i can look at the multiplier yay you know like there's no i mean i guess you want it to be like that because like you can't expect someone to master a, a complex you know physics based art that's totally separate from racing uh you know standard racing one thing i'll say too is that it appears that you get a slight speed boost after you drift which i don't really think makes much sense but it is an arcade racer yeah so. i mean you know if you it's the blue sparks kind of thing i guess from Mario, Mario Kart. Kart. Yeah. <laughs> if you do a cool thing, you go faster. I mean, it's like in Fast, you know, it's like in Fast and the Furious, where as long as they're this in the car is so squirrely. As long as they're in the car, 
they're invincible. Right. It's like Iron Man. Like, yeah. As long as they're in the armor, as long as you're in the car, you're invincible. And uh, and it you you get like ten seconds of invincible after the car. You leave the car, which is how uh, Vin Diesel jumps out of the car and grabs Michelle Rodriguez and lands on the the far side of the freeway on someone's windshield and doesn't die. So that's that's my theory is that they're actually superhumans that whose powers are tied to their cars. Well, this is perfect because now I have a drift challenge, and I know I'm not going to complete it. So this will force us to stop playing Need for Speed Payback. <laughs> yeah. Mm. This car is so squirrely. Yeah, well, it's drift tuned, so it's supposed to be. It's like I barely tap yeah. the uh, the stick, and it just completely goes sideways. Here we go. There's an opportunity for a drift. Except, well, yeah, I guess you still get the points. I guarantee I'm not going to hit this target. And like I said, these are my least favorite events in every arcade racing game. Yeah, oh, you'd have to go down to one multiple. I don't know. You, you, if you pull a couple of good ones off here, you might actually make it. Really? This is not a crazy high target they've got you on here. That's good. You're, you're already almost halfway to it. Yeah, but how much more uh, road do I have to yeah, get there? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you're at, you got 800 yards. Make this next turn count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 5,000 more. I don't even know how the points are tallied. Uh, loosely. <laughs> I didn't do it. You got close, though. Yeah. All right, we'll call Tiger it Tiger selfie. <laughs> what? What does that mean? <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Is that like a type of... Or is that like... Is that the guy you race? Uh, I think... Wait, this whole kind of thing kind of started with that guy taking a selfie, right? Remember in the cutscene? Oh, so it was like... Like a tiger blood nah, thing, like know. a Charlie Sheen reference. I don't know. I don't know what's happening anymore. I don't either. But I, I do not recommend buying this game. No, uh, it sounds like if you really, I mean, either get for Forza Horizon or wait for the crew too. Yeah, I guess I, if, I guess the question everyone's going to be asking is, well, okay, that's fine if you have an Xbox, but what do I do if I have a PlayStation Four? Sounds like wait for the crew too. Yeah. Or maybe get uh, the Need for Speed from a couple of games ago. Uh, was it? Pro oh, I can't remember which one it was. Because the Need for Speed from two years ago wasn't good either. No, but there was one from like 2013 or 2014, maybe the end of 2013, where like it was like a, it was like a, maybe it was Most Wanted. I don't know, but it was like it was an open world. There were cops running around. You, it was mingle player. You could play with other people in the same map and sort of join up with them um, and drive around and do stuff. And it was pretty. It was it was not amazing, but it was fun. It was it was it was a fine iteration of the need for speed open world concept and you could probably get i can't remember what i think it was most wanted but it might have been called something else but like it is crazy it was like the, think, it was the first need for speed on uh on xbox one and ps4 it was it came out around launch uh so uh i enjoyed that well enough that i feel like the five or so bucks you'd pay for it now would probably be more fun than this yeah <laughs> It is kind of crazy to think, though, we're this far into the PlayStation 4's lifespan, and we cannot think of a great arcade racer right off the top of our heads. I mean, at this point, we should be able to come up with at least a couple. Well, I mean, I can, but they're, like, 14 years old. No, I'm saying, like, a PS4 game. Right now, no. Yeah. I mean, really Drive sick. Club, kind of. Drive Club's a lot better than it used to be. It still um, kind of strays a little towards Simi, though, I think. A little think. bit, but you can turn enough stuff on that you're basically just... I mean, you're not going to be able to turn without breaking, but, like... 
it's pretty conducive to letting you play. I mean, it's not, it's, it's a little more simmy than Forza Horizon, but I feel like you don't have to super focus on them. But it's not open world, really. It's not, yeah. it's just more really pretty. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, you're just, you're just kind of doing individual races over and over again. It's not like if you want somewhere, something where you wander and, the, and everything kind of unfolds organically, um, there isn't really a good option for that on PS4 unless you go back to a, that, whatever that Need for Speed I was, I'm thinking of. Which I, is it most wanted? I can't remember what Wasn't it is. Wasn't there one called Need for Speed? Rivals. That's Rivals. What it's called. Need yeah, for Speed yeah. Rivals. Thank you, uh, Wolf Ox 10 jc um, yeah, Need for Speed Rivals was the was the probably the one I had the most fun with uh, in recent memory in terms of this series. And does that work for backwards compatibility on? Oh no, it's for PS4. Oh, it is. Early, I played on Xbox One, so I assume there's a PS4 version. That must have come out like right away. I think it was a launch title or a launch window. Oh, title. Okay. It was right there. It was yeah. end. It was tail end of 2013. It's crazy. With despite the, I mean, the PS4's library is great. Like it's really starting to fill out now with more niche stuff as well. Mm. But there's still not a great arcade racer. There's no. nothing up to the standards of Forza Horizon Three. Arcade for racers just don't really happen anymore. You know, yeah. like, I, I don't know why. I, I honestly think if EA just remastered or remade Need for Speed Underground, man, I, there'd be a lot more. I would buy games. an HD collection of the original Need for Speeds in a heartbeat. Like yeah. especially Need for Speed Three, uh, which the you know, PS One, the original Hot Pursuit, still great track design in that. Yeah. Like really cool. Uh, also amazing on PC was very heavily moddable. Uh, Porsche Unleashed, which was the follow-up to that, like yeah. I think it was like an expansion pack. People modded that thing into you wouldn't believe, like every car you could imagine, different. Tr- I mean, it was incredible. Um, that those first four games in the series back in the '90s were like they they were the they were the the ones to beat. If you weren't playing Gran Turismo, you were playing those. Yeah, and I missed that. I missed that kind of. There was a fantastical element to those, like with it, you know, the Atlantica track and kind of like everything was very heightened, and because the graphics weren't like you know it were PS One graphics, it wasn't, right. it wasn't amazing. So like it was very heightened and everything was like colorful and and like you know had a theme around it that was very easily easily identifiable visually, and like those I, they've never matched those games in terms of of, of just sheer imagination. I think. Well, I think what's crazy is how poor the car chases are and the cop chases are in this. Yeah, and I think back to how awesome they've been in prior games. It's like with the new technology, they should be better than ever. They should. Yeah, and, and I mean, they've they been were neutered, good. and then the physics for them are just completely. I also yeah. had I also Criterion really showed them how to do that in the yeah. modern day with with the the Hot Pursuit in 2010, and and I think they did Most Wanted after that. And uh, they were solid, but, uh, you know... I should also mention, I've had game-crashing bugs. Not game-crashing, the game didn't crash, but mission-ending bugs. Mm. Like, there was one time where the cops were in the mission... And the camera went to show me where the cops were as I drove past them, and the camera the camera never left the cops. And I was forced to try to finish the mission looking backwards from my car. Like, there's just all kinds of little bugs in the graphics. Like, the textures pop in and out. It's... So, pretty solid thumbs down. Very like. solid thumbs down. Yeah, do not buy this game. Like I said earlier, if you do, GameStop is going to be paying you back for it. So... Big pass on Need for Speed uh, this time. And who knows what's going to happen with, with the future of the franchise at this point. Uh, apparently, like, they're just going to keep making them. Ghost Games just has a free pass, I guess. Well, to... so the series, I mean, any, almost any other series that underperforms even once, EA like, throws it in the vault and we never see it again. But they, can, they, they just they really want Fetch to happen with, with this Need for Speed thing. Like they're yep. gonna, I mean, maybe the licenses with the car companies is, are lucrative, whether the game is successful or not. Or, or... maybe... 
they have deals with the car manufacturers that, that go for the next three or four years. That's certainly why we've gotten a and few they're like, other license games. We're already on the hook for X millions of dollars with these car manufacturers. Yeah. We might as well try to recoup our investment. I tell you, that's I, I'll tell you that's why the only reason we got Amazing Spider-Man one and two games for those movies from Activision. They had yeah. they had a contract to finish. Yeah, that's also why you see Activision's games eventually disappearing off services like Steam. Right, because those the licenses, licenses expire, and then yeah. they're like, "Whoop, can't sell these anymore," and they just off they go yep. so all right let's move on we're going to talk next about probably the biggest news story of the week just broke was this yesterday mm-hmm. the days are just bleeding together for me at this point uh so yesterday it was announced that electronic arts has purchased respawn entertainment um are you surprised by this at all matt no not you're not in fact i think i don't know if i did on the show or not but i called this like eight nine months ago yeah i do remember you mentioning that you thought yeah. that was going to happen but I, then after titanfall 2 i was like i don't know if they oh, no, i now. called this after titanfall 2 i think this is a result of titanfall 2 really yeah in what way in the sense that titanfall 2 didn't sell enough to keep the company fluid and so the only re- recourse is to sell it off or shut it down i think ea wants to keep it running so they can get the star wars game out they're working on with stig uh, asmussen and um once that's done, I figure they'll take it out back and shoot it in the head like they've done with all their other companies. Is that what you think is going to happen? You think EA is going to kill Respawn after it gets this Star Wars run? I think it's a, a distinct possibility. But I also think it's a distinct possibility that Respawn's Star Wars game is freaking amazing. True. Because here's the thing. Respawn has made two really good games. Yeah. They have not done well financially. I think maybe the first Titanfall did a little better than Titanfall 2. First one 2. did fine. And but... Titanfall 2 did okay yeah it just didn't it was sandwiched between battlefield and uh and call of duty and was kind of roundly ignored and but it, it still also has it, an active it was in a community. bad year it, it was, was, it was yeah. you know everything was down last year and it look it still has an active community there are still yeah. tens of thousands of it people also playing has it every day i would say the best shooter campaign of its year i'd agree like, by a wide margin yeah Especially after playing Call of Duty World and like, War II. And the thing campaign. is, they, they kept a lot of that under wraps. Like, if you if you don't know what happens in the Titanfall 2 campaign, like, you have no idea what happens in the Titan. I mean, there's some crazy stuff in there. There's some real clever things uh, in the tail end of that campaign that they never hinted at would be in there. So, I, if you haven't played Titanfall 2's campaign, maybe like if it's on EA Access or whatever, like, yeah. do it. Oh, I like, highly recommend it. I mean, it wasn't even just... And it's good... only, like, four hours. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, you... And it wasn't even just a good shooter campaign. It was just a good campaign. Yeah. period and that doesn't yeah. surprise me with the pedigree of respawn coming from no and it was great to see them back again because i always yeah. liked I, I love even when you know modern warfare 2 and modern warfare have their detractors in terms of the campaign but i i really liked them and i think who i don't know who determines the pacing and the and the and the, and the way everything kind of fits together in their campaigns over there but it feels like Titanfall 2 feels like the same, whoever the same people were that were, you were kind of dealing with that in the Modern Warfare game. They made the best yeah. Call of Duty campaigns. Yeah. And like just the way they have, they know how to make them rise and fall and go crazy and breathe. And like the, they're very good at that. It, feel, it really feels good to be in their hands when you play this campaign. So look, from a skill standpoint, a quality standpoint, I totally get why EA purchased Respawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I hadn't thought about it, but you're right, with the whole Star Wars angle, and obviously we were talking earlier about licenses that you spent mm-hmm. a ton of money to acquire. Let's not forget, I mean, next week, EA's had that Star Wars license since, what, 2013? Next week they will put their second game Yeah. Out. On the heels of essentially canceling same, yeah, one. Canceling one. And the second game is a sequel to the first one. Like, they haven't right. gotten any output done here. No, you're right. 
And it's been quite a while. Like, by now, they should have had at least one of those Splinter games at least coming in March of this yeah. year. I mean, they made like three movies in the same yeah. amount of time. <laughs> I want that. What does that say for the movies? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty excited for this one, though. It's, oh, they, I mean, the fact that they're giving Ryan Johnson his own trilogy yeah. on the strength of how they feel about what he just made for them yeah. it makes me feel pretty good it about does. it. It does, yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. So, anyway, back to games. Um I have a problem thinking that EA would have plans to close Respawn after it finishes the Star Wars game, considering how much money it spent mm. on Respawn, because it wasn't a small purchase. Oh, no. Um, Vince, once again, is a very rich man. Mm -hmm. That guy, man, he, <laughs> he's he's worth a lot of money, man. Now he is, yeah. Uh, now? I mean, he got paid out for all those Call of Duty games from Activision. Remember they went to court? Didn't he get $140 million or something from that judgment? Uh, I don't know if he got that all himself. And a but lot it was of that's... him and the other guy split it, I think, yeah. though. I mean, he is extremely rich. He's doing fine. Yeah. Um, and now, I mean... This which, congratulations, he makes great games. He totally deserves it, so... And now, uh, what, the total on this one uh, comes around around $455 million? Yep. So... And I'm sure he gets at least a quarter of that. He gets a chunk, yeah. So he's, that's another $100 million to toss into the bank for him. I'm surprised he does anything at all. Maybe he'll just quit. <laughs> I would not necessarily be surprised if he semi-retired after this. I mean, he's, he, he, I don't feel like he has anything else to prove. He really doesn't. Really. Um, but, of course, in, bored, in, in acquisitions but... like this, uh, usually there is some kind of, like, you know, the, the, the original people have to stick around for a while. And and also, on the flip side of that, sometimes you don't have a choice. Right. Well, sometimes, be, I mean, it could be a case they're buying, EA... Well, I mean, they're buying a company. You also want the people that make the company what it is. You want Vince continuing to lead these projects. Do you? Yeah. Or... Do they install somebody in there in his place and... Put it this way, if they install someone in his place immediately, I feel like the shutdown idea is even more prevalent. I would agree with that, for sure. Um, but, look, I'm excited at the idea of Respawn creating a Star Wars game, because I look at Respawn in a lot, in the same vein as I've looked at Gorilla. Mm -hmm. You know, Gorilla was kind of this developer that had always created first-person shooters. Nobody had any faith that it could do anything else, and along comes Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm -hmm. So... Well, I have a lot also of faith. They, these guys have pulled in the guy, the guy who uh, gave us some really good God Awards. Yep, Stig. Uh, yeah. to, uh, to do this, and so that says to me that they're serious about kind of branching out beyond their expertise. I mean, granted, that didn't work out so well with EA with Amy Hennig, who they no. brought in. Not but, that we know it was her fault or anyone else's no, fault. No, but, but it's just, I mean, it sounds like nobody knew what they wanted out yeah, of that project. But ultimately, when you look at that template for EA, it has not worked so far. Hey, let's bring in this all-star developer mm -hmm. who's worked in this genre and been really successful at it and have him work on this game. Ultimately, that game ended up being canceled or at, least, at the very least completely reworked. Uh, so we'll see how it works out with Stig. Stig, obviously, God of War fame. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think that he worked that much on the early God of War as he kind of came in later. Yeah, he was, I think, three was his yep, big... that was uh, his baby, yeah. So it's not like they brought in David Jaffe or Corey Barlog. Stig was kind of a guy who only worked on God of War yeah. for a limited amount of time. Although Stig, you know, his track record stretches beyond I mean, beyond look, you give, me, you give me a Star Wars sequence on the, on the level of the opening to God of War 3, like, I'm, I'm on board. But I'm just wondering if EA's going to allow that to happen at this point, based upon yeah. what it did... With Amy Hennig's game. I mean, basically what EA said was, this isn't a games-as-a-service game. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and we just therefore well, I, I, it's long-term revenue-driving prospects. Right, but right. also I think we we just don't know enough about the internal politics of what happened there. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's been forever since we heard about that game. It's been been in you know what would be probably be considered development hell for years. Yeah, and at some point you just got to admit that like this ain't gonna happen. You spent two hundred million dollars on this already, and. You know, we have nothing to show for it, so instead of throwing money down that hole further, we're going to do something we know will work. So part of the reason they might be shifting it to kind of the games-as-service idea, while that is obviously something EA is into in general, one of the reasons they might be shifting that specific project to that that model is because they think that if they do that, they'll make more money, you know, off of enough money off of it to help offset the cost of the first round of attempts, yeah. you know? So maybe they aren't dedicated to all of them being like that. Maybe they'd, they'd you know, be willing to do like a, like a God of War style thing with, uh, with multiplayer or something out of, out of these guys. Because I feel if you're going to have Respawn make something, there's multiplayer. Oh, one, yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. I mean, there's well, no which reason. Is, which is what EA is going to want. Right. Because that's where, you, you know, yeah, I could see them doing kind of a, a, you know, a God of, a, a, a Mass Effect style, like, you know, we may, here's, a, here's a campaign, but also here's like a co-op multiplayer thing where you pay for loot box kind of weaponry and stuff, and everybody te- it's not competitive, but everybody teams up and shoots stormtroopers for days. Kind yeah. Of thing. You know, that, that, that has done well for them in Mass Effect 3 and Mass Effect Andromeda. Well, not, nothing did well for them in Mass Effect Andromeda, but it's, a proven mo- it's also a proven model for squeezing more money out of us after the fact. Uh, didn't Respawn also announce that another Titanfall's coming? Uh, I don't remember. I don't know if they announced it's specific coming, but I think they've basically said like, "Yeah, it's not over." Yeah, like which EA, and EA EA's basically said like, "We we will." What was the thing that they said like, "We are in. We will support you know the future projects and the, and the franchises." Da, da, da. They did a bunch of business speak, and then Vince said, "Yeah, whatever the fuck that means." Yeah, <laughs> and like because Vince is a man who doesn't mince his words. He does not, and that's one thing I admire about him. It's one of the reasons I like talking to him as well because he's one of the rare. Uh, industry, I don't know if I'd call him a luminary at this point, he's getting there, that is not 100% guarded. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he just tells it like it is. Yeah. Like, he'll do interviews and he'll swear. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I, th- I, I ran into him at E3 and I just, I said, hey, I thought Titanfall, just so you know, because I've, yeah, I'm kind of, I've known him for like 10 years. Yeah, we have, we have, yeah. And, um, I mean, it's... And I just said, hey, I, for what it's worth, I thought Titanfall 2's campaign was one of the best things I've played all year. It was, you yeah. know, it was fantastic. He's like, he's like, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> <You> know, <it's laughs> like, and he would know, without a doubt, even though obviously he has a biased opinion. Yeah. I think the best news for me in all of this, though, is that I really was wondering if Respawn was going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of its first games sold crazy well, probably well enough to tread water or whatever. These games are expensive to make. Um, but now we know that they're going to stick around at least for one more game, and I'm guessing probably Wars. more. So that part to me is encouraging. It would seem a shame to uh, you know waste this collection of talent that they have just on getting Star Wars out and calling it a day. But at the same time, you could say that about so many other companies that EA has acquired and given one could. shot and let them let them die. In the Which back. makes no sense to me whatsoever from a financial perspective, but. EA's done great financially, although this last quarter it was one of the only publishers to not do extremely well. In part because um, they're not putting anything out. But really. if you've owned EA stock over the last few years, you've done very well for yourself. So uh, it's hard to argue with EA's success. Now I want to shift gears on this topic to something that really pisses me off. And that is that... So probably the second biggest news story, at least in my opinion this week, was that Phil Spencer came out and said, Hey... 
We get it. Our first party offerings aren't good enough. There aren't enough of them. We are focusing on creating more first party exclusive content for Xbox platforms. Great. Good. Excited. Finally. Please, been, please inform your fans that we were right. Yeah. We have been banging that drum on Game Face literally yeah. since the show launched, I think. About how it's just, just been that same cycle of three games over and over. Halo, Gears, Forza, Halo, Gears, I mean, even Forza. when it was you and Marcus. Right. It was the same. And then for a while, Fable was there, and now it's gone, too. So yeah. it's really gone down to, like, those three franchises that are just getting cycled over and over. And so Phil Spencer comes out and says, hey, we finally get it. We are going to start working on our first-party offerings. And then what happens the very next day? EA buys Respawn, mm. which just shows you. Respawn was sitting there. For the taking. Well, no, they weren't. Well, what do you e mean? EA had first acquisition refusal. Oh, but they could refuse it. Microsoft could offer more money. They could... Well, no, Microsoft can't. Like, EA has... EA, by contract, as I understand it, has to be given... They get the choice to buy it or don't buy it. But... And they decided to buy it. So Microsoft Well, they decided to buy chance. it. But it, I'm guessing, and it should be, in that, co in that contract that they signed, that... Other entities should have the ability to bid on the purchase, no, and I'm, then, but then EA would have the first right to match. I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. It has to be. No, I'm pretty sure. Because if, they, if it doesn't I mean, work it, that way. It varies way. by contract, but part of it is like if you, know, you get first refusal, and they can basically say, like, we'll, we'll offer you this, and the company can take it or not. And I, I don't, don't think I don't, that's how it works. Uh, I, I, I mean, don't. if you look at contracts, at least in sports, that's not how they work. Well, this isn't it gives sports. you the first opportunity. It, basically, how it works in sports is a business, a huge business, a $8 billion business. Right, but this isn't sports. I'm, I'm, I'm saying in terms of company acquisition, like, I don't think you have to allow a bidding war to happen in this situation. I, I think you absolutely do. Because otherwise, EA can just lowball and just say, well, here's $100 million. Well, then take it or leave it. And then Respawn is well, stuck sitting there forever saying, well, wait, there's no way well, we sell our not, company for $100 well, million. No, that's not take it or leave forever. It's like... Like, they're not stuck there forever. They can just be like, no, like, we're not going to do that. And right. then it goes to somebody else. But if EA wants to buy it and they're buying it at a fair price, they get to buy it. Like, that's the point. No, I get that. But you're, that doesn't add up, though. It's like, but that is how that works, I'm pretty sure. I don't think it is. I'm pretty we'll, we'll figure sure. It out. We'll figure it out beforehand. But Microsoft, I fully believe Microsoft could have had an opportunity to come in there and bid higher, and then EA would have the chance to match it every time. And if Microsoft bumps it up, EA could match it again. Microsoft bumps I, it up until it gets to a point where Microsoft offers more than EA would want to pay. I am 99.99% sure that can't happen. That, that Microsoft didn't literally had no opportunity to make an offer. Well, I do know for a fact that's exactly what happened with Rare when Microsoft bought Rare. Nintendo mm -hmm. had the opportunity to come and match and Nintendo said no and then Microsoft took them. Mm -hmm. But they I did, mean, I, typically that is how it works. But they didn't have, I don't think they had that contract of first refusal with Nintendo. I'm guessing they did. I don't think they did. I mean, they were a second party developer for Nintendo for decades. Mm -hmm. Also remember, like, the, the fact was Nintendo didn't care. You know, if EA didn't care, they could have just been like, no, go, go, sell, your, go sell yourself somewhere else. And they could have gone, I mean, presumably Microsoft would have been their next stop. But like, I'm pretty sure the, the, the advantage, because EA is the one fronting all the money in this, for, for this situation. For Titanfall. For yeah. Titanfall. So the fact that the, the, the advantage to them in that contract is that they get to make an offer without having to worry about other companies coming in and driving the price up. They can say, this is what we think is a fair price for this company. Uh, we will buy it for this much, yes or no. And if they say no... But if you were Vince, over. why would you ever do that deal? 
Because that means that you're never going to be able to sell your company. Because EA could always lowball you, but no, that's and then not, you're stuck not being able to sell it. Then, well, then you just refuse their offer. Right. But then and that's they, it. Then you can sell to somebody else? Then you can sell to somebody else. Oh. Okay. Well, that's completely missing your, your argument then. Yeah. If that's like, the case, that's fine. That makes yeah, that You're makes not sense. locked into selling it to them, but they have first... That's what refu- I thought you were saying. No, they have first refusal, which means... If they don't want to buy it, they say no, and then you can go sell it to somebody else. Or if they, right, they, if, the they same... if they aren't going to buy it for the amount of money that you think is fair, you can get out of it. But clearly, they thought four or fifty-five million dollars yeah, yeah, is a pretty sure. good price. For sure. But that was my point: is like they could have turned EA down and then got a better offer from Microsoft, and Microsoft could have went to them and said, "Look, we'll give you way more than four hundred million dollars. Don't accept that deal." Oh, in theory, but I, there's two things there. First, if you're if you're offered four hundred fifty-five million dollars, take the four hundred fifty-five. Yeah, million. yeah, sure. Second. I mean, look, EA uh, it may not. A fair price, it, I don't know what the contract is, but I don't know if it's legal for Microsoft to come to them and say that. No, it totally their, isn't. I don't think it is at all. Over. But I, I don't think that's... that that matters either. Well, yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> but um, all it takes is one dinner with some martinis. At the same t- man, look, at the same time, if I'm Vince, I'm doing this one on the up and up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've we've been through risk that already. Four hundred million or well, whatever. also we've been through that already. Yeah, yeah. I've already been you to know? court trying to get right. my money. Yeah. But to me, this was a huge missed opportunity for Microsoft. Even if you want to go back to when the studio was being formed mm-hmm. and creating, by the way, an Xbox, Xbox exclusive. exclusive. I mean, Titanfall was exclusive to Xbox at the beginning. I just, you know, they weren't, Microsoft wasn't, their head wasn't in that place then. It should have been, though. It should have we been. We were talking well, we about now, it back then. I mean, yeah, we, we knew. <laughs> How did we know? Because That's they not were, even our job. Because the we're Xbox not supposed to be good at well, that. Because the Xbox One project wasn't being run by game people. Yeah. It was being run by, you know, set-top box making a deal with ESPN, going to be right. the hub of the living room people. But that wasn't our argument. Our argument was there are not enough first-party games on Xbox All right. Because that had started happening at the end of the 360 era. But like, but that as came as a, as a result of Don Matrick's policies basically being to dismantle their second-party right. setup. You know, yeah. They had an amazing lineup of... Developers that even if they weren't exclusive, they were they were you know it was like Call of Duty you used to have the Xbox first right. thing you know mm-hmm. where you got the and you know, now that's on PlayStation Four yep. um, and there was just that point where Matrix came in and decided that that was not a priority for them anymore and all drifted away and now they got to rebuild it I mean I think you and I have said many times and I think we would agree that they have not done that quickly enough oh yeah um, like this 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 process you know should have started four years ago well know? it's been crazy if you've been watching. During this launch week, by the way, you were absolutely right about the launch date for Xbox One X. I don't know why I thought it was last Friday. I don't know. But um, if you've been watching this last week, watching them re-promote Halo 5. Mm-hmm. I mean, hardcore. They put out like six trailers for the enhanced version of Halo 5 over the last like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say this. Have you checked it out? What? The enhanced yeah. version of Halo 5? No. It looks amazing. There's a lot of stuff that looks good on the enhanced. I mean, I'm impressed by a lot of their enhancement so uh, am I. support. Yeah, like I the, mean, Gears 4, we saw that at E3, mm-hmm. and it looked amazing then. It looks even better now and more polished than it what, was there. What was the, oh, Skate, I mean, Skate 3 has some performance problems, but the fact that they even supported that? Yeah. Wow. I think that, yeah. yeah. And that's one thing I do love about Microsoft. they the waters a little bit there. Yeah. But. but that's one thing I do love about Microsoft, is they do do little stuff like that. Right. Even if it's for just like this niche group I mean, look, of fans. I, I mean, I admit, I'm a little tempted to get it just for the, the performance boost and the, uh, I mean, look, the fact that I could play Crimson Skies again. Yeah. Looking good. <laughs> like, I'm into that. And the fact that it makes the 360 stuff run a little better, like, that's a really, that's a really important 
thing to me. Like that, yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, I think it's important to a lot of people. It ain't five hundred bucks important right now yeah. for me, but it, that's, it's like that's the issue. it's like I got my eye on it, and I and I might not have otherwise. You know but anyway, what, I mean? what I was getting at is all the time that they've been spending enhancing. Cause this isn't just like flip a switch and it works like that. And right. It, it right. looks like that. They put work into this. All of Microsoft's first-party studios have been working on enhanced versions of these games instead of working on new games. Mm-hmm. So. I just wonder if it's just too little, too late at this point. It's like, so now in November of 2017, you say, hey, we're going to put more resources towards these first party games. When does that actually bear fruit, Matt? Two years from now? Right. Will Xbox One X even be a thing by the time that bears fruit? It'll be the old thing. Right. It'll be like, you know, it'll be like what the S is now. Yeah. It'll It'll probably be a new version out. Yeah. The, the Y or something. I don't know. It the Y is, indeed. It's just baffling to me. Like, I don't see how they couldn't have looked down their release schedule and been like, wow, that's really barren. I don't know. I mean, I mean their mean, revenue I mean, look, this last under- quarter was terrible. I mean, look, I understand the, where, kind of, where the situation arose and the kind of the, you know, the, the scenario where, where Matrix policies led them down this road, but I don't understand why it took so long to correct that. Yep. Um, I don't either. Like I don't know what they were, what their plan was. Like maybe from like maybe 2015 on, you know, around I feel around that time, which is when this show started, early yeah. 2015. I feel it was pretty obvious at that point. Yeah. Even before they killed Fable Legends. Yep, for sure. And then you look at like the cancellation of Scalebound, right? Which was due to, on record, due to technical limitations. Well. Here's, here's Xbox yeah, here's One your, X. Here's your limitation. Shove that removed. code on there. At the very yeah. least, that code's going to run now at like 60 frames a second. That would be a great stopgap. The game was... I don't know what Microsoft is doing over there. And I get that it cares more about how many people subscribe to Xbox Live every month than how much software it sells. Uh, I get all that. Uh, in fact, someone asked a great question about that on uh, Ask Shane Anything. Second episode up this morning, by the way, for those of you who haven't watched it. Uh, but someone asked a great question. It's like, so... I get that Microsoft cares mostly about people subscribing to Xbox Live, but with Play Anywhere, what happens with everybody's going to just start buying everything off of Steam? And mm-hmm. so you lose that cut of every third-party game that's sold because everyone's buying it off of Steam now. Yeah. So, you know, my, my answer to that was, spoiler, if you haven't watched the show yet, was that essentially, you know, they won't be able to play those games online, though, unless they subscribe to Xbox Live. And that's kind of where Microsoft has you by the cojones is... If you want to play these games online, you're still going to have to pay for Xbox Live, whether it's on PC or on Xbox mm. One S or Xbox One X. I feel or like PC players aren't going to go for that. Yeah, probably not. They probably won't. So, I don't know. I mean, it's, look, I'll say this. It's good to see Microsoft taking a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. recognizing there's a problem, and finally starting to do something about it. But it is way too late at this point. And I think that's everyone's biggest sticking point with Xbox One X is... What can I play on that thing that I can't play anywhere else? Sure, it'll look better on that machine, but I think people have proven over the last Mm. 20 years that graphical fidelity is, they say in surveys it's important, but when it comes time for them to put money down, it ultimately really isn't Mm. that important to a lot of people. If it was that important, stuff would run at 60 frames per second more. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's a good point. So, we'll see. Uh, and And I think... This was an opportunity for Microsoft, I think, to move in and get a really good developer that could immediately start creating great content for, for mm-hmm. its platforms. 
And I think, in honesty, Vince would have been cool with that. Vince yeah. has worked great with Xbox in the past. And I just don't think EA was ever going to let that happen as long as they had the first refusal in place. Like, like if you, I mean, they've got. I think maybe if it was just if they just made Titanfall, it might be a different story. But they they've got their Star Wars license tied up in this company. Yeah. And you don't want to. You're talking billions of dollars. Yeah. There. And you don't want to start over again. Yeah. With a, I mean, can you imagine having to announce like, oh, by this, by the way, this now other this Star Wars game is canceled. <laughs> And that company's gone, yeah. and we've shut this company. Yeah, we're not going to buy that company. It's going to go be bought by Microsoft, and we're going to start this game over again with with EA Montreal or something. And it it's is funny like, how that all I mean, works. If out. you're a stockholder there, you're like, <laughs> yeah, bail out. You're, you're, you're yeah. gone. I mean, yeah. come on. That's that's that. You don't want to make that announcement. That's terrible. It sure did work out for Vince and the founders of Respawn, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the startup dream. That's how it? it works. Yeah. Wait, is, wait. And for me, it is just a dream. Oh, yeah. I mean, one, wait, 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 waiting to sell Sifted for $455 million, that's for sure. Never I mean, look, it, they, it, they, Respawn took seven years. Yeah, so, yeah, a whole yeah. seven years. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, what, almost halfway there, yeah, right? We're almost that's no what problem. we're valued at. We're, what, about $200 million at this yeah, point? Yeah, 2022. <laughs> Put it on your calendars. Sell out hard, sell out fast, sell out early. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a huge expansion. I, I hate to even really call it DLC because it really is an expansion yeah. to Horizon Zero Dawn, The Frozen Wilds. Matt, you've been playing it this week. Mm-hmm. You are uh, you love the base game of Horizon. Yep. I still have not played enough of it. I am looking at... you got to get around to that because we're going to come down to the game of the year No, you're thing. absolutely right. I'm... Spoiler, the Game of the Year show is going to be Matt pushes Horizon really hard <laughs> for, in every imaginable category. I think, so. we all, I think we all knew that already. Yeah. Um, so, and I have played a few hour, hours of it now, and I think it is something I am probably going to play over Thanksgiving. Maybe during the Black Friday stream, game. I'll get back into it. Uh, but one thing I found is that it's not a great streaming game. Uh, there's a lot of down, not downtime, but like there's a lot of transit. Yeah, and there's not a and lot I love of... The tra- I love just wandering through the world, but like, it's not very interesting to watch. Right. The problem with streaming is transit is dead time. Yeah. There's nothing to say... There's nothing happening. Yeah, at that point, you're basically telling, telling the stream about the movies you watch. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> it doesn't work well. So I probably will actually will not play it during the stream, but maybe over Thanksgiving holiday, I will get some time to sit down and at least dump maybe 10 or 12 mm-hmm. hours into it so I can get a really good idea of where it's coming from. But uh, so I, here it actually, is. Actually, I, I have a suggestion for that if you want. If you have, uh, you might not have time to get far enough in it. Never mind. If you, cause Everyone's the, suggestion is going to be Dark Souls. We know that. Well, already. right, but I'm but I'm talking about this game, like because uh, uh, one of the things, um, one of the things I've noticed about Frozen Wilds is that uh, I think their facial animation and their character work on this is a little better than I can in the see main it right game. there. Yeah, um, and, and and not just the the facial animation in general, but also the writing and the performance. Like there are like I'm I'm not too far into it. I've probably been playing like four or five hours. Uh, so I've done like a few major side quests and like kind of probably I think about half the I've gone all over the map. The map is about maybe twenty five percent the size of the whole map of the main game. So it's another quarter like added. It's, it's big. It's yeah. real big. A um, bunch of new collectibles, the you know the usual stuff. Um, and I've run all over collecting things and doing little side quests and stuff. And and this, the the characters are very memorable and likable. And particularly as a char- side quest, you get very early on in the first little village called Waterlogged. And if you if you because a lot of the quest, most of the quest stuff seems to be around level thirty. Okay. Uh, in 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 the frozen far Wild beyond area. my scope. Yeah, but if you have a, if you have the if you get far enough and you can get up there and leave a save at the beginning of Waterlogged, stream the quest Waterlogged. Okay. Because that has two two of the best characters in the game that I like re- really a lot. There's a, the the girl you get it from is this she like. 
because you're it's it takes place in a dam like a dis, a, a, a broke down dam mm -hmm. and the, the 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 tribe there uses the pipes of the dam as drums so it's like this little sub tribe that's like musicians and they just bang on the pipes oh, wow. and, they, and she's a she's a drummer and she loves the music and she's got this look on her face when she talks about making the music that I'm like I like this I like this character like she's and then you meet a guy who's like a delver in the in the th in there and he's just this happy go happy kind of it's like I'm looking through here it's amazing you're great you're amazing. and like he and at the end like there's actually a pretty good emotional swerve on it and okay. like I I was like wow this is I think it's head and shoulders above any of the side quests they did in the main game. And uh, and it, it, it kind of drove home again for me. It's like, man, Guerrilla Games has been underutilized in so many fields. And they're really showing their stuff it's, That's in what this I was game earlier, in general. Like, they but give this, me hope that Respawn can branch out and yeah, do something great. This, and this, the, the resolution of the quest you're seeing here is amazing and it's subtle and it's and like if you if you kind of see what they're going for there i'm like oh that's good like i really i really am impressed by what they're doing here even in storytelling ways like even on a level beyond the main game probably best creature design of the year it's i would there. say um it's unique I, there's no other game that looks like it and the creatures are i mean it's getting hard at this point to create enemies in video games oh, yeah. that don't look like something else and uh, they've certain gorillas certainly managed to do that. So let's talk a little bit more specifics about the Frozen Wild. How long uh, of an expansion is it? Um, if you're a collective collecting person, you like to yeah, I do everything. Uh, it feels like it's probably going to top out around fifteen-ish hours. Um, okay, which is a good you know that's fine dollar an hour. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, maybe more if you really dig around and explore. But like for the most part, I, f I feel like I'm pretty close to having all the collectibles. Uh, that I can get to without doing more story missions. I got a couple more side quests to do. I got to do the hunting quests. Um, it's a beautiful area. You know, if you like ice and snow, it's a beautiful area. Does it get a little boring after a while? Because it's all ice and snow, right? Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of different terrain. So there's it open, looks great, by the way. I mean, open, the snow looks amazing. Oh yeah, the snow, the physics in the snow are and like you know, as you trudge through it, it leaves. You know, it leaves tracks, it leaves, you know, grooves and trenches as you walk through the waist-deep snow. And it stays. Like oh, it, wow. It, it stay, like, oh, it's, really? it's not like where you run in circles and, like, footprints disappear after about, like, right. 30 yards. Yeah. Like, it stays while oh, you're wow. in there. And, I mean, it'll, it'll cover up again later when you come back. But it's like, but I've run around areas, and, like, you can see all just tracks you everywhere. You follow your I've tracks back. Around. Yeah. Interesting. And it's very well done. Um, what is the plot for it? Uh, the plot is basically you run into somebody, like a, a new quest pops up on the main map and you can, or you can just go straight to the area, but if you're far away, a new quest pops up down in the south, you go and there's a guy who's basically like, those Bannock are crazy, like, it's like there's some weird stuff going on up there and I don't know what to, I'm a trader, I go up there all the time and I can't deal with them anymore, if you want to go, more power to you, and she's like, alright, I go, because the Bannock are the, are this northern tribe, uh, you run into them briefly in the main game. There's like there's like a little outpost up north where they've got a little because they kind of worship the machines a little bit, and they they jam the the blue hoses into their skin oh. like is like a like almost like tattoos or scarification stuff. And like uh, your your mentor slash antagonist guy uh, Silence uh, in the game is. Uh, implied to be one because uh, he has the tubes in him and stuff got you and uh they have a very kind of um shamanistic like mystical like approach to the machines and but they're also super hardcore hunters who survive these incredibly harsh conditions so it's like kind of a, a two-pronged society so they they're like oh yeah so like i, I the, the traders like there's a new just go up to the cut up there and like you'll go up there and you'll be able to find your way up and get so you can now climb this little cliff section that was not climbable before okay and then you go and kind of 
kind of go up over this like pass and through. Don't the, they show when they're going up the ladder there? Kind of, yeah. Okay. That, I mean, it's a similar thing to that. This is way at the top of the map, the new map. What's happening here? But uh, you can um, you can go go up there and then like you get to this little settlement place and you 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 view some scenes and there's a couple of guys from the south that are there as traders and they kind of explain to you what the deal is and then you start talking to the Bannock and you start going around and. Uh, you have to talk to the chief, and you're looking for this uh, this char- couple characters who are like they know something, and they might know something about this installation from the old ones, which are the you know the, the pre-apocalypse humans. And so I'm not far enough to really know what the thrust of that is, but uh, you get a couple of new things. You get a thing that sticks on your on your staff so that you can uh, install mods on it, which you couldn't do before. Um, there's a new collectible called Blue Gleam, which is like this blue crystal that you get for quests, and you can find it like laying around on dead machines. Uh, and it's the only currency you can use to buy like the new armor and the new uh, um, the the new weapons that you know are exclusive to the DLC. Um, I will say this: it's I mean the 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 content is like listed as being around level thirty. Uh, there are like you know side side stuff like there's like these control towers that spit out like a like a like a purple beam thing uh-huh. that like if it, so by this point you're probably running around with the the the, uh, the secret armor like this person is it's a it's got like you see the shield thing glowing on right. it so you've got a shield over your health and if the shield drops down it's like halo right know, it's dropping so basically once you get that in the main game you are a god like it's I I have not died. In this game, in probably thirty hours oh, wow. playing in the mega, I have died playing the Frozen Wilds five times. Oh, good! Because okay. these de- they're demon possessed machines. Like, they're like more, more power. And part of the main quest is figuring out why they're more powerful. Than- but the the machines in this, like, if you get a, if I went up against two or three of these, like I came I came real close a couple times. I've gotten blown away by just guys with arrows because they hurt so much now. Like, wow. like this is definitely kind of a harder area it's an expert area to some degree and then there's like those control towers a couple of them that the recommended levels 45 oh geez and the, the cap on the base game is 50 and they up that to 60 in this in this expansion uh but it is definitely the hardest stuff in the game um so as so it, it should be for yeah and it fits, see this it fits very in well into kind of i mean it's part of the main game that's one of the things i also like about it is i don't like these dlc expansions that are separate things like shadow of war does that and uh, a couple other things do that where it's like instead of being part of the main game, they are just a separate menu option, and you just play that separately. This is. I think it, there are pros and cons to that, though. This adds to the map, and if you if you have not played this game yet and you play it now, with this just integrated into it, I think it will flow in very nicely. I think there's pros and cons to that, though. I, I, because you're right. If if it's just added into the existing game and into this existing map, it kind of it has a a continuation, a continuity mm-hmm. to it. But a lot of times, by the time you get the DLC, you haven't touched that game for so long that you don't really kind of have that attachment to its world, at least not the same one that you did when you finished it. If it's and, an open-world game, I just prefer they add to the map rather than give me a separate thing. Like the Dishonored 2, Dishonored, Dishonored 2, I like the way they do that where it's like a separate little campaign because that makes sense for that game type. Yeah. If it's an open-world game, just slap, just stick a thing on the top of the map and give me more more room to run around in. I think my my complaint with that sometimes is that it can make the make it feel samey. Um, mm. And it doesn't well, provide a, a, a lot of opportunity. Right. So there's, there's pros and cons to it. It doesn't kind of provide that opportunity for the developers to kind of break free and do something a little more unique using that same mm. sort of gameplay system, all the characters and the setting. 
uh, it just ends up kind of feeling samey a lot of the time. Would you say that's kind of how this feels, or no? Do they do? No, it? I mean, I, th- I think you know. The, I mean, to me, this this game is all about the world and kind of fleshing out yeah. what what how humanity has kind of evolved in different well different uh, directions. And like, I think you know, learning about the new tribe here because I mean, they were in the first game, the original game, but like, you didn't know too much. You're just like, oh, look at these weirdos that yeah. stick hoses themselves and think that the, the machines are sacred or whatever. And now you're kind of like running into these things. These they're 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 very different, and they're very because they are in this harsh environment. Their rules are different, and I think that's fun to kind of piece together who these sure. people are. Yeah, and there are different environments. There's a lot more mountainous stuff, a lot more climbing. There's a lot more kind of running down narrow passes. There's a it's a lot harder to avoid the machines in that regard because a lot of times I'll just run around them. Or whatever. Yeah. But now I'm, yeah, at one point I'm running across this kind of mountain pass area. It's maybe forty yards wide, and I hit a point where there's two. Uh, sawtooths in my way, and I'm like, well, can't go around gotta them. Fight. Yeah. And now I got to now I got to fight. And these are hardcore machines. These are, you know, they're stronger than what you'd normally run into. And uh, it was a hard fight. And uh, I haven't had a hard fight in this game in a long time. I really appreciate how hard this. this it's, yeah, it's not like crazy hard because I'm playing on normal. And like eventually, I will probably do a new game plus on ultra hard just to go through and do it again. Because uh, I, I mean, I've already played 90 hours of this game. Uh, well, look, I mean, you've probably been in a place with this game where you have all this upgraded gear, mm-hmm. but you haven't really been able to push it and really try it. Right. This, I feel like the upgraded gear I have is necessary to survive this section of the game, whereas before it was just it's a nice way to kind of be invincible. Just to do whatever the heck you want. Yeah, yeah and just check out and, the And uh, it's nice to kind of go back to that feeling of like, oh, like if I make the wrong choice here, this thing's going to kill me. Um I haven't even tried to fight the th- the demon possessed thunder jaws. Like yeah. those, I'm just like, oh, maybe, maybe when I get the, the, all the new bows <laughs> and I can, you know, really do some damage. But like, right. so yeah, I'm, I think it's great. Like, uh, fully worth the fifteen dollars? Absolutely, no question. Like, if you lo- if you like the game already, yeah, yeah. I'd say there's no reason not to. And I haven't met too many people that have said yeah. they don't like it. So, and if you don't have the game yet, I would definitely get this alongside it or get a, the, the bundle if they do it. Because they did just drop the price for to like thirty five bucks, I think. For yeah. Nine ninety nine if you well, got right. that GameStop yeah. error last <laughs> yeah. night. Um, but uh, no, this is this is so a worthy you can basically edition. Buy the game plus the expansion now for sixty bucks. Yeah. Now I would say, um, you know, buy the game, play it if you like it. Around the then, time, around the time you hit level thirty, buy this. Gotcha. Because that's how high you're going to need to be to do this. Right. Minimum. And by then you'll figure out if you want. And by then you'll more. know if you want to play more, right. if you want to play in the snow. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely, I think it's it's a it's a worthy game. If it's a worthy thing to go back to if you've already finished it, it's also a worthy thing to play as part of your first playthrough. There's no bad. No bad option. There. And totally cool with the full price, 15 bucks. Yeah, I think that I've spent 15 bucks on far dumber DLC things. <laughs> we all have. <laughs> all right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about Telltale. Now, I have a special history with Telltale. Uh, because if you remember back at mm-hmm. the uh, Spike Video Game Awards, when it was given Game of the Year, The Walking Dead was given Game of the Year, oh, yeah. and I... I didn't say I completely disagreed with it. It wasn't my game of the year pick for that year. But people asked me why I kind of strayed from the pack. And I said because there's no gameplay. And to me, gameplay is the thing that makes a game eternal. It's what makes it hold up over the long haul. Um, or doesn't. Or doesn't. Depending. I mean, that's, or doesn't. It's, what, it's the interactivity is what they live or die on. Yeah. And uh, after that, Telltale just really went on and a tear. And Kojima would agree with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, since then, Telltale's kind of gone on a tear. I mean, it's been extremely successful in a lot of ways, proving me wrong, saying, look, you don't you don't need gameplay as long as you have great writing, mm. great characters, Well, great I think setting. they also found a new audience to some degree. Yeah. Like, there's people that play these games I know that don't really play any other games. Yeah. They just like this no, kind of adventure right. thing. But the adventure gamer has been a very underserved demographic since the late night, since the LucasArts games ended, yep. basically. Yeah, you're right. But uh, unfortunately, this week, it was announced that Telltale is going through some downsizing. Mm -hmm. It's laid off 25% of its workforce, which amounted to 100 people, 99 to be specific, but essentially 100 people, which means Telltale is 400 people strong, uh, which probably... They, ex they had expanded very aggressively. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to hear that there were that many people. Because I'm assuming that isn't that isn't counting the studios, mm. or maybe it is. I think it is. Yeah, is it? Oh, definitely. Um, but like the studios encompass a lot of you know, there's a lot of support personnel. There's you know, writers. I mean, I mean, I don't. That may also be counting people that are brought on for uh, you know the individual projects. And they they put out a lot this year. A lot of their projects are over at this point. And I mean, I can just say from data on Sifted that since Sifted has launched, and it's been, you know, two and a half years now, the interest in Telltale's games has certainly fallen mm. drastically. And to me, I was like, okay, well, I get it. People are kind of burnt out on The Walking Dead at this point and Game of Thrones and stuff like that. But when Batman came out, and it kind of had a little bit of interest um, out of the gate, but since then, it's just fallen off a cliff. People don't care about Telltale's Batman series anymore on Sifted. Do you think that maybe the the heyday of of Telltale is over? Maybe. I mean, the other thing I've noticed too is the that the new is life is strange is has not garnered a ton of interest. Yeah, well, I don't think I didn't expect it to. I would I would be more concerned if Life is Strange two when that's eventually re released does that. Yeah. Or maybe was was it Vampire? Is that that uh, yeah. Don't Nod's next game? Is that yeah. the same kind of thing? It's not. No, no it's like it's an action a, game. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think part of the problem is uh, they haven't upgraded their engine in forever. Yeah. And it, looks, it still looks like, you know, it still looks the same. It's, it, it doesn't look very good. And uh, when you're doing, like, a story-driven thing, I think, we, you know, we said this for, you know, the David Cage games and, and uh, you know, Until Dawn and stuff. Like, all I have to look at and all I have to go with and all I have to, uh, to, to engage with is the visual presentation. And, like, these increasingly look... You know, I don't want to say unacceptable, but they—they're they bordering on unacceptable. They, at this they, point, but they though. look very last gen, I guess would yeah. be the, the the way you'd say it. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of interest in, on the part of Telltale to fix that. Yeah, and and, and which was why know, I was surprised they laid people off. Well, and couple <laughs> that with how much you know, there's a lot of always technical problems and weird glitch problems. Sometimes they don't even work on PC the first day. Like they've, they've had a lot of problems with that with Batman, the first Batman season. Um, and the other thing is I think you, you end up with people that, like, you know, I'm certainly that way, where, like, if I'm going to buy one of these things, I'm going to, A, wait till they're all out, all the episodes are out for something, and, B, wait for the Steam sale. Like, yeah. you know, it's not a gameplay experience that I find worth full price to me. I picked up the last season of The Walking Dead, and I, I'm actually kind of embarrassed to even say this, but I <laughs> literally started playing it, got to the first scene of the game and there was just some setup where they're like aim and shoot the gun and like they had inverted the controls and like i missed and didn't i got killed and i just stopped and never went back to it 
there was just this weird curmudgeon like gameplay segment that started the game and i was like it this sucks like i, I have no interest in this anymore and uh that was it that was the last time i played a telltale game hmm. um i think the last one i played was guardians of the galaxy the first episode I, I tried to play i Mine- haven't gone back to that because i'm waiting for the, the other episodes to come out i tried to play minecraft story mode i literally played like 45 minutes of that before one i don't really care about minecraft and that's kind of the problem for telltale mm-hmm. is that if you do not care about the properties that its games are based on there's really nothing there yeah, for you. It's not going to make you a fan. And that was kind of the point I was making except, way back when. Except Wolf Among Us. Yeah. I would say Wolf Among Us is good enough that you might want to read fables after you finish that. Yeah. But most of, like, Walking Dead, if you're not already in, it's not going to, even if you are, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's also not really based on the TV show, and that's what most people associate with The Walking Dead, other than the people, obviously, have been reading the graphic novels. I mean, I prefer the, the gra- I prefer the comics to the yeah, show. Yeah, I think a lot of people who have read it say that. But, like... Yeah. Well, the new Walking... Also, The Walking Dead, by the way, kind of sucks now. Oh, it yeah. is It now. has become bad. I made it, I made it like, three episodes or something into season two before I bailed out on that show. Well, you would call what they're doing now a complete travesty. I remember I, I uh, tweeted... Probably about a year ago, Fear the Walking Dead has become a better show than The Walking Dead. And nobody agreed with me. And I bet you they will all agree with me now that it is by far the better show. Um, I'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really liked The Walking Dead for the first few seasons, but it's just kind of fallen off a cliff. But it goes back, what I was saying is that I almost feel a little bit vindicated at this point. Because that was kind of the point I was trying to make way back when, was that... This game, The Walking Dead, or then you can use any of the other properties that it's done, isn't really a great game. It's a great side story told for people who already like that story. And I think that's what we found with Telltale at this point, is that if it's not telling stories around characters that people are really passionate about, there really isn't all that much there Mm -hmm. as far as a great video game is concerned. And I think that's maybe what is coming to grips with at this point is, hey, maybe we do need to maybe incorporate at least a little bit more gameplay. Like, I love Life is Strange. I thought it was great. Um, it didn't have much more gameplay than Telltale's games, but it had a little more. And I also, well, I also think Life is Strange has a much, I think Life is Strange is better written than most of Telltale's stuff. Yeah, Telltale I agree, stuff. for sure, like, yeah. There's, there's a little more, you know, a little more of an indie film quality to it, and I felt like, I felt a little, like it was a little more of a complete piece of storytelling yeah uh in terms of of you know creating characters that you believe me because part of telltale part of telltale strength is also part of their 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 weakness is their strength is they have a lot of recognizable properties but the weakness of that is you're locked into who these characters are no you're right and they have more freedom in some and less freedom in others i mean i think i think they've had they had an amazing amount of freedom with batman to kind of re- did, reinvent yeah. him and, and reinvent that world into something that they could tell a new story and and clearly they took from wherever they wanted and like the penguin in that series is much more the Gotham penguin you know, from from the Gotham TV series yeah. which i think is while Gotham has not been amazing the penguin the take on the penguin in that series is amazing like it, it's a great great uh, narrative choice and it was cool to see telltale kind of pick that up and run with it but I couldn't. I finished that season, the first season of Batman. I can't tell you what happened in the end because I don't remember. Like, <laughs> right. I don't. I, mean, I don't even remember exactly what happened in Guardians, the first step. I mean, I remember. Like, but they, they killed Thanos. But I'm pretty sure Thanos is coming back because he's Thanos. And then everybody disagreed on what to do with him, and there was probably a cliffhanger. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's just like it, it's 
it's so mild, I guess would be my description. And, and, which is weird because when The Walking Dead won all those awards, it was because everyone couldn't believe, you know, all the places that story went. Right. And that seems to be... And look, and it, that first season of The Walking Dead was yeah. really good. But it, look, it it's, was it's, really that good. Adventureness, adventuresome angle seems to be kind of gone from the writing. I think you don't need a better testament to what's going on at Telltale than if you look at the fact that it has the Game of Thrones video game license. And those games do not sell especially well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that should be they only do one season of that? a license to print money. I mean, think about that. Why were there not new episodes of that coming out during this last season the show was airing on HBO? Like... Mm-hmm. It's either it seems pl- like right now would be a good time for that since you're stuck between seasons for like six months. It, it totally would. I mean, whenever, any time is good for new Game of Thrones content. But again, they were they were they're hamstrung by that license a little bit because they can't tell a story that matters because you can't affect the world because the world is in in motion in the main story of the show. They were kind of telling stories about third tier characters. Well, no, they use, a lot of the main characters are in it. They intersect. But they're with just them, side but they're, stories. Yeah, they're not yeah. like anything that's going to matter in the end it's it's like how it's like watching agents of shield like yeah i don't know that it has to have consequence on canon for it to be compelling but the fact of the matter is there's only one video game publisher slash developer that has rights to make game of thrones video games it's it's telltale who made that action rpg game of thrones game remember that no it was like an action RPG with like you played like two like little minor lords that didn't show up in the show or something. No, I don't remember that at all. It was like four or five years ago. No, I don't remember that. I it wasn't very good. It was like it was like a obviously hack, it was yeah, like a I hack don't and remember slash it. Action, I'm a huge Game of Thrones. It's like a hack and slash action RPG thing. I remember, it was right. Oh, I do remember it now. I do remember. Yeah, it. Remember, yeah. Like, it was. I remember who made that. I assume they don't have that license yeah. anymore, though. <laughs> but look, if you made a really good action RPG based on the Game of Thrones license, it would do absolutely yeah. bonkers. And I think that's the problem that Telltale has. It's like, yeah, we got this awesome license that most publishers would kill for, but we really can't do anything with it because we don't make real video games. I mean, when it really comes down to it. They make a certain kind of video game. Yeah. I mean, you're basically creating cutscenes that you're patching together right. but, I mean, by that, walking. They're making point-and-click adventure games with a, with a 3D element. To but them. they, but they don't. They're not even point-and-click adventure games though, because they don't even have like the puzzle elements to them. Well, they're, they're very simple puzzle elements. Like I mean, very simple. I mean, like, you're, hey, you're not, find this bottle and bring it over right. here. You're not making. You're not making a, a fake mustache out of cat hair underneath a door to fake your way into a room, disguised as someone who doesn't have a mustache. Right. That's for, that's for the Gabriel Gabriel Knight fans, um, but I mean they're they're the kind of the spiritual simplified successor to that genre. It's like, you know, just like everything is today. You know, like it, it's uh, it's like how you know we have tower defense now. Where does tower defense come from? Missile command. Yeah. Uh, put up someone who plays tower defense now on a missile command machine and see how fast <laughs> they die because that's yeah. you know that's just how it goes. You you want to expand your audience, so you got to make it much easier to play. And I feel like. I don't like to say like dumb down, but when I play these game, play Telltale games, I'm like, oh, it's kind of like you know, I don't know, like a really, it's like sugar free candy, I guess. You know? I mean, it's, it's, it's like it's not what I want, but it's yeah. like kind of what they make now. So, I just feel like because of the path, it's the the path that Telltale's gone down. Now it's found itself at a place where it has a lot of possibilities, but the reality of it is that they can't 
really manifest success out of mm. the possibilities that, that it has. I think they'd be smart to kind of go more uh, the route uh, that they have with Guardians of the Galaxy and kind of take take these licenses that they can kind of go crazy with and tell their own stories and not be beholden to some kind of canon. Yeah. Um, and they were doing that with Walking Dead for a while, but I think it's very wise that they're basically saying that's over. Because I feel like there's you, you can only do so much with that. I mean, this show's run into that problem, too. Oh, it has. Like, at this point, the TV show is just the same stuff's happening over and over. They just find a new enemy who has a new complex right. for them to have conflict with, eventually take it over. Somebody shows up, runs them off, they find another one. It's just rinse and repeat at this point. So, I don't know. I mean, I will say one thing. Most of the people I know that work at Telltale are really amazing people. Mm -hmm. And so, in that sense, I wish Telltale... A lot of luck, and I hope their fortunes turn around. I just hope they have end up with the time and the money to put a technology upgrade into their work, into their upcoming stuff before maybe the worst happens. Because I'd like to see how these games fare if they are more of a graphically impressive product. You because know I mean? look, I mean, that's all these things got. To you're, no, you're right. Everyone says The Wolf Among Us is great. I have not played hardly any of it. I think I played like the first episode of the first season, but. Another season of Wolf Among Us is not going to change the fortunes of Telltale. No, I'd play it. Right, but, uh, but right. it's not going to change the ship or re remove the ship from its impending course with the iceberg, mm -hmm. so to speak. Well, so, I was, I mean, the Batman thing is all well and good, but I think they should shift to making, um, they should start doing like Supergirl and Arrow and like those CW properties that like have a built in audience that wants to be told a good story and might. You know, pick that up on their iPad or something. And they probably have a little more leeway with how they write the stories as well because the characters aren't quite as coveted, the fans mm -hmm. aren't quite as rabid. It probably give them a little more headroom oh, for creativity. Oh, the CW fans are rabid, <laughs> my friend. You look, you look I don't up know the, a single show that's on the CW. You look up the Supernatural fandom one day and you, you, you tell me if you come out of that intact. Really? Oh, the C I've, I don't think I've ever watched the CW in my life. Well,. Is I'm it? not going to tell you to do it. <laughs> it doesn't sound like I'm but, this much. Um, just because uh, some things, we don't need to be corrupted on every level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But just on most. <laughs> but if you you could probably do worse than to sit down with your wife and and give Supernatural a shot. Okay. Especially if you like the X Files. I do. Because half the people who made the X Files went and made this oh, show, okay. and the other half went and made Breaking Bad, basically. Oh. And, Interesting um, split. <laughs> so, uh, and it, because it's done, it's shot in Vancouver. If you ever, if you remember anyone who was ever on the X Files, even like one episode, they're in Supernatural. Okay. Eventually. Like you'd be like, oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's that guy. Oh, it's that girl. It's that woman. It's, it's like, they're all in it. Okay. And so it's like it's like this nice little. It's like it's like X Files with supernatural stuff, and it's like a big reunion show because everybody shows up eventually. Uh, watch the first five seasons and then stop. That's a big commitment. Five seasons of a TV not, show. Not when, a sh not, when a, not when a TV show's 12 seasons long. Wow. I didn't even know that show existed. Still it's going. It's been going around for, going for 12, 12 years. years. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a big announcement that came from Ubisoft. Yves Guillemot this week <laughs> uh, basically came out and said that we should not expect new consoles for at least... Two years, Matt. Mm -hmm. you, do you think you're not surprised by that? Not really. PlayStation 5, it, not until 2020? Well, does he mean two years is in 29, late 2019 or 2020? He said at least two years, and he said it two days ago. So I mm -hmm. guess late 2019. Um, 
Well, I mean, that's. I mean, if you're talking literally see them two years from now on the shelves, then that's about in line with your prediction of you know PS5 shown at E3 2019 and released that fall. Yeah. If he means see them. Show. admitted that they exist. Right. Into, I mean, then you're talking about about a year later than I think most people thought it would be. What do you think about that, Matt? Uh, if true, then it sounds like Sony's not too worried about the Xbox One X. No. That's <laughs> for <It's like, laughs> Like, they're moving at their own pace, and they're not worried about what Microsoft... Well, here's the thing. I mean, this is the head honcho at Ubisoft. He would if, know. If anybody knows, he knows. So you can pretty much write it down... We're not seeing PlayStation 5 for two more years. Yeah. And chances are, probably won't see an Xbox for another year after that, I'm guessing. Maybe. After just releasing the X. I mean, I can't see Microsoft... I mean, we'll probably see iterations of the X. But, I mean, in terms of brand new hardware... I mean, I mean, hey, 2020 isn't that far away. It doesn't make sense, honestly, Terrifying. though, for Microsoft to release another console within the next two years. Mm-hmm. After all the R&D that it's done on Xbox One X, it will just finally, at that point, be getting to a reasonable, consumer-friendly price. Yeah, at best, at best, you're looking at, like, an S version at some right. point. Which, Which I you don't even really that need, because it's like, so small already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they really don't need to make it smaller. I don't know what features just, they know, could put dif- in it. Different colors would be all, like, you know, different... You know, f- the funky limited edition stuff right. that, that everybody does. Yeah, but I'm assuming the guts stay the, the same. The guts would be the same, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I mean, Microsoft at this point with the, the X, it's like, where does it go now? Um, Just well, get more powerful in two years? I guess. Throw more yeah. RAM at it? Like, <laughs> it's, it's already like a 4K-capable PC in a shoebox, essentially. I mean, I feel like the same thing's going to be true of the PlayStation. I mean, the, the PS5. I mean, really, the PS5. What's the, I mean, it's going to be more powerful. It's going to, you know, probably be able to do 4K without checkerboarding. Maybe right. uh, it will probably have a an, an Ultra HD Blu-ray drive in it, and you know, that's it. I mean, what else? What else is there at this point? I mean, unless there's like a really big doubling down on the VR thing, like, I don't. Well, see Sony that said happening. repeatedly over the last two or three weeks that it has no interest in pursuing the business model Nintendo has pursued. Mm-hmm. And it says every time we believe there's very limited opportunity in handheld Yeah. Although, hardware. they learned their lesson, I think, on that. They won't try that again. But Nintendo's, I mean, proved it wrong. <laughs> Nintendo is Nintendo, though. Yeah. Like, Sony has proven that, like, A, the, the, you know, the Vita was a very powerful piece of hardware. Didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Sony doesn't seem capable of supporting a handheld system properly, yeah, which uh, Nintendo clearly does. I mean, Nintendo's the expert there. Um, Nintendo has hybridized, uh, you know, the system to make it, you know, a console and a handheld, uh, but, as the, you know, the cost of that is is weaker hardware, uh, performance-wise, yeah. and Sony's never going to do that. I mean, Sony is a hardware manufacturer that will never say, we're going to we're gonna make a lateral move and just make this thing portable as well as a console. They're never going to do that. Like, like Also because, at that point, they're just following Nintendo. And what happens when Sony follows Nintendo's ideas? Nothing. Well, like, unless it borrows some stuff. Like, they borrow, but I mean, yeah. sure. I mean, the PlayStation came from Nintendo. I mean, that was going to be Super Nintendo's CD drive, basically. But 
you know, they copied the, the Wii for the move. Nothing. Yeah. They, you know, they, they copied the handheld thing and tried to make it, you know, now we're going to give you something unlike the DS. It's like, oh, this one's super powerful and it's got a touchscreen as well, but it plays like Ultra HD and the, no one gave a shit. Yeah, no one really and cared about Vita at all. It's, it's just, in America, anyway. And I say that as a launch day Vita buyer. Me too. You know, yeah. like, it was not a thing that ma- and, and even then, it's they probably said... probably my least played platform I've bought in the last decade. I would, that would probably be true, yeah. I don't even well. know where mine is right now, then I think about it. I have Neither no do I, idea and I should probably is. figure that out because i got to move soon. But, right. like, it's, uh, it's um, yeah, it was just, and even, I mean, my problem with the PSP was the same thing. It's like, you're giving me, you're, what do you want me to buy on this system? Inferior versions of things I already have in the PlayStation 3. I did play and, my PSP a good bit, though. And But then, like, they came along, and they're like, oh, we're not going to make the same mistake with the Vita that we made with the PS, PSP. Because we recognize that consumers want original games they can only play on the Vita. And then what did they put out? Inferior well, it versions. Of what, it was the same thing. exact thing. It you repeated know, and, the same thing it did the first time. Let's, getting back, let's get back to the topic, though. So I so, don't think you will ever see a handheld from Sony again. I, like, I don't either. But let's talk about two years from now, though, Matt. Do you think at that point it's too long? Because Sony, the way it's kind of staggered its hardware iterations with PlayStation 4 Pro... Two years from now, maybe is a little long. Like, it makes sense maybe from Microsoft's perspective, or right around two years from now, maybe the Xbox One X is starting to look a little long in the tooth. Mm-hmm. PlayStation 4 Pro by then will definitely be, because on the other flip side of that, now you have the Xbox One X on the market that's going to eventually make the PS4 Pro look pretty shabby. Do you think another two years with the PlayStation 4 Pro and the play? Because eventually the PlayStation 4 Pro is going to be down at 200 bucks, and yeah, the I base don't... model will just be completely gone, like they have with the base Xbox at Yeah, this I don't point. think it matters. You don't think it matters? No. You don't think that mainstream, there's that mainstream. hype that's generated no. by the PlayStation 5 that gets for people us, excited? For us, sure, but for the mainstream audience that makes the PlayStation the hit it is, they, don't, they can't tell the difference, really. I, I don't think that... I think if you put a game in front of them and said, tell me which one's running on Pro and which one's on the base, I don't think they could do it. But I do think that there's a big difference between calling the, a, a console PlayStation 4 Pro and calling a console PlayStation 5. Right. And that's what I'm talking about. When, once they call a console, regardless of what's inside it, once they call the console PlayStation 5, immediately the interest for that piece of hardware just, to me, mm-hmm. shoots up astronomically. And so waiting another two years for that big announcement, to make that big announcement that finally gets, gets you back on the USA Today and the New York Times mm-hmm. and the LA Times and... Pro didn't do any of that. Like, it came out with a whimper, and it's still kind of at a whimper. It hasn't sold especially well. Um, I think that big event of the new PlayStation, the PlayStation 5, I think that that is something that our industry needs on a regular basis. And at that point, two years from now, how long of a lifespan would that have been for PlayStation 4? 4 or Pro? For 4. Just 4. Yeah. Uh, so you say, well, you're saying like they let's say they show it at what E3 2019 or twenty? Let's say it comes out on holiday 2019. Okay, so they show it at E3 2019 and release it that holiday. Yeah. Uh, so that would be six years. Six. Because PlayStation Four launched at the end of 2013. Same with the Xbox. Yeah, I guess that's not so bad, really, because I mean the PlayStation Three lasted seven plus some change. PlayStation Three was eight. I want to say. Was it eight? No, it was. Seven. Seven plus it was, a couple it, months. It was 360, 2005, and 2006 was uh, the Wii and the PS3. Right. And then Sony promised right then and there that it would not, that the PlayStation 4's life would not last as long as PlayStation 3's, but 
maybe Sony feels like it's off the hook at this point because it right when they the made that when they made that statement, they had not just trounced everybody right because you know, and there was no way to think they were going to. And it could also be a case where it's like, well, we did, we released the PlayStation 4 Pro. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you can always do. That. I mean, that's that's a little Reg, that's a little Reggie style, <laughs> yeah, but you yeah, can yeah, get yeah. away with that. Okay, <laughs> that is Reggie style. But do you think that what we have with the PlayStation 4 Pro is enough to carry for the next two years to keep interest in the industry so that revenue doesn't start falling through the floor? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I, I don't think... Are you going to be happy playing PlayStation 4 Pro for the next two years? Sure. Yeah? I mean, certainly on, on like their exclusives. I mean, uh, is there a point at which maybe I would shift to playing multi, multi-platform stuff on the Xbox One X because it just looks better? Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but I will always have a, a Sony system to play their exclusive stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, same reason I have a Nintendo system, frankly. I mean, you know, I like Sony and Nintendo's first-party output enough to buy their system just for that. And I, the, that's why I had a PlayStation 3. You know, I played almost nothing multi-platform on the PlayStation yeah, 3. Yeah, me either. But I had it for all their first-party output because I think it's really good. So, yeah, that's good enough for me. I mean, and also they've got a huge lead. I think they're only going to be able... The, I mean, I don't think Microsoft is going to catch them. I think the Switch might Oh, it'll eventually. never catch them. Yeah. Um, so I don't I, think Switch will either. So I think I think the hype level, I think that is all up to when Sony wants to make it happen. It, it, you are actually where, you remember when they uh, when they announced PlayStation 3 and everything? Or, or no, it was the year 360 was being pushed real hard and um, Jay Allard was in his hoodie suit coat sitting on, sitting on the sitting stage, on the stage <laughs> rapping with us. Yeah. Um, and then like Sony said, basically, like they had a, a whole slide up this like, the HD era begins when we say it does. Right, yeah. The next wave of consoles begins now when Sony says it. Like, they it can does, put PS... Yeah. Whenever they want to put PS5 out, they can. And maybe, maybe, you know, depending on how things go over the next two years, maybe they decide that's 2019 holiday. Maybe they decide it's 2020 holiday. Like, who knows? I would be really shocked because I think... I think eventually Microsoft with the X will start chipping away a little bit at Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's going to be blatantly obvious that games look better on X, I think, all the third-party stuff I think does. you will see a shift. I mean, also, you know, this, let's not forget what has traditionally driven a lot of uh, system ad- adoption on like kind of the, mid, the mid-range. As you see more and more people pick up 4K televisions, as those become the only televisions you can buy, because that's certainly... It's kind of there already. kind of there. Yeah. I mean, this Black Friday, if you want a television, you're going to get a 4K, right, whether you like yep. it or not. And they're pretty um, cheap. Yeah, they've, they've, they've normal televisions now. You know, yeah. It's not. It's, it's not like the bell, cost of a TV yeah, now. Yeah, it's not a bell and whistle anymore. Yeah. 4K is just what things are. Uh-huh. Uh, you're going to want something that can play that, and when you're looking at what can do that, what can do that? The Xbox One X has the drive, and the PlayStation 4 Pro doesn't. Yeah. So unless you're totally digital... And you're talking about films and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, unless you're totally... Yeah, I'm talking completely about films. Yeah. So unless you're totally digital on the PlayStation... You know, because PlayStation 4 Pro can do that digitally, but it right. can't do it in the drive because the drive is not Ultra HD. Yeah. Um, you're going to default to the Xbox, and eventually that is going to become a factor. And, and I hope Sony it does. Will, and Sony hope, will recognize that and react to it, hopefully. And I like, hope that that does sort of erode away at Sony's lead and spur Sony on to be like, hey, maybe yeah. we need to get it in gear, well, especially considering, and we're not waiting until 2020 for PS5. Well, especially considering Sony makes movies right. and TV shows. Yep. And so there's a point at which... Where in, Microsoft and there's, I get, I get there's like the divisions have a lot of internal conflict, but at a certain yeah. point... It's kind of ridiculous if you're sitting there looking like people are buying our content and playing it on the competitor's system. We also cause Arai, who comes right. from the PlayStation brand, right. 
who's running things. Now, there. to be fair, so they he do, knows better than anyone. Now, to be fair, they do get a cut of all that because yeah, they own Blu-ray. Course, yeah, but yeah. like, um, it would be better to have that on your own system, right? And yeah. so that means you got to put out a system that can do it. That's that's the thing. Is like I think they were smart to keep the price down on the PS4 Pro by not putting that that you know 4K Blu-ray drive in there, but that's going to become a liability in the mid-range market every as day. you move forward. Because at a certain yeah. point, even if you're a mid-range consumer that doesn't necessarily care about the cutting-edge, bleeding-edge AV stuff, if you have a 4K TV you got at Black Friday, you want something that's going to take advantage of it. Yeah. And I think people are more savvy about that to some degree now, especially with the advising stuff they have in all these big box stores now that tell you about what these things you need are, as opposed to the old days where you had whatever, like 30, 40% of people who had an Xbox 360 had hooked it up with the composite cables, yeah. you know, and they didn't yeah. know. But I feel like that is becoming... You know, now you've got HDMI, it's not as confusing, and I think you're going to need, I mean, you're probably going to have all that Automotion Plus shit on anyway, but like, yeah. but I think that will eventually become a factor going into the late part of next year, and that's when Sony's going to have to make the call, do we put this out now, or do we hold it off another year? Because they got to know what the PlayStation 5 is, hardware-wise. Oh, yeah, I mean, they've already spent hundreds of millions on R&D for PlayStation 5, yeah. guaranteed. It's just um, it's just a matter of tweaking like how much RAM is in it or how much of the, yeah, yeah. you know to, to the clock speed of Pricing various parts things. And everything, yeah. Price it all out, decide which year you want to launch it, and I think they still have the flexibility to, to choose nineteen or twenty at this point. And I'm, my hope is that Microsoft will start eroding away at that lead of Sony. Sony's will start to get cold mm-hmm. feet, and it'll step up the production. I think that we'll sounds a like earlier. a pretty believable scenario to yep. me. Um, I also my other question, of course, is like. Man, Ubisoft blows the lid off like ne- like next gen shit on a regular. <laughs> Remember, Watch Dogs are like, oh, this isn't running on it. I don't know. It's just like, hey, what could happen? Like, what could we do? It's like just a thing we made. We don't know what to do. And we're like, bro. <laughs> Ubisoft is a really important partner, yeah. though. I mean, Microsoft and Sony are like, eh. Yeah, it's not like you can really do anything about it. But, like, but man, they love they love pushing it right. They to the do line, break a lot of hardware they? news without a doubt. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is a case where the hardware news was not good. I wasn't happy to see this, but I think two years is about right, depending on what sh- how the shift of like a six month window there. And um, I would say, you know, the recent stuff that we've seen with Ghost of Tsushima and God of War, and mm. to a lesser extent, The Last of Us Part Two. Although I think ultimately, when we see more of that game, it'll look amazing too. It does seem like incrementally. It's still games are starting to look better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't, still don't feel like it's kind of hit that flat line where that's it. We've squeezed everything out of yeah, it. Yeah, they're that we still can. looking better and better, especially the first party stuff from the better, better developers. Yeah. Sure. So I think once you hit that plateau, though, that's when right. And if, I mean, if you push to it too, much further past this, you you blow my prediction that Last of Us Two will be a tandem release, right? On five <laughs> and four. Right. I, I think that's probably not going to happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, where do you think? I, mean, I, I, I think, think Last of Us will be out next year. You think? Like, late next year, yeah. I still think it's in 2019. Because they've shown so much of it now. They haven't That's really what... shown much of it. They've shown that one teaser, and they showed that one trailer with the one scene. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't even seen gameplay yet. No, we haven't. It's true. So, I'm still saying 2019 for that game. We'll see. All right, let's move on to our last topic of the, the show. The may have blown a hole in that theory, so. <laughs> yeah, you might have. Uh, we're going to talk about Call of Duty World War II because we talked about it last week on the show, uh, but we had not had a ton of time with it. We had played a bunch of multiplayer, mm. not much of the campaign, and uh, we'd said last week we'd come back and kind of give our updated opinions on it. I have played a lot of this over the last week. Um, let's start first with the campaign. Mm. What do you think? I played two missions and never went back to yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't like it very. I don't know what it. I mean, it's like I feel stupid because I I spent so long saying, oh, World War Two would be cool to go back there, and I like the can you know, the, da, da, da. and I played like the I played the opening mission of the the invasion of the beach and the follow up on that. And I started the third one, and I was just like, I don't want to do play. I don't. It doesn't feel good to me. For some, I like the characters. I like I like the story they're telling, and I love Zussman. I, I think he's great. Um, so I I feel like I might actually, and I almost never. I might just watch it on YouTube because <laughs> like, I don't, don't want to play long. it. I don't want to play it. I just, I kind of want to see what happens to everybody. Yeah. But like, but I like what the storytelling is going on. I like that that you know Zessman comes back before he should because he gets injured in the first mission, and the sergeant's giving him a hard time, and he just slapped him on the on the side, like where the injury is. He's like, yeah, you're okay. Yeah. You okay? You okay? And and you can see him just kind of go mm, wincing. Like a, yeah. It's a very subtle facial expression, but they pull it off and like yeah. and, and then you find out why the sergeant is being a jerk to him about it, and that's a good reason yeah, why he's yeah. like. I mean, I like all that, but like then it makes me play the game, and I I just find it. I don't know. I don't know why I don't find it as tight and cool. Cause I, I just I, think I go, it's dull. Yeah, but I go back to like I I put in Infinite Warfare again to go back and 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 the remastered Modern Warfare you know that from last year. I'm like, do I just not feel like playing? And I play, and those things just feel so crisp and buttery, and, and but and it's and it's just not there in this game. No, I, I agree with you. I think it feels really clunky to play, awkward. There's all kinds of weird mechanics in it that haven't been in other Call of Duty games, mm-hmm. or they were 12 years ago or 13 years ago, and the industry has just kind of moved on. Um, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I would definitely not buy this game just for the campaign. Uh, the gameplay itself. I wish I hadn't. Yeah. Because you're not a big multiplayer guy. No, I played some multiplayer, mostly War and Search and Destroy, which are probably my two favorite. Search and Destroy is like the, you know, the two squads, and it, once you die, that's it until the next round. I like yeah. those are the two, my two favorite kind of general multiplayer modes in games. And I just don't. I, I like a lot of the maps in War, especially the Operation Neptune map is really cool because it's a beach invasion. I love beach invasion multiplayer maps. Those are, but, but it's just, it hasn't really, it always kind of comes down to fighting over the same little choke point and like, it's just, you know, everybody's... You just run into the slaughter. Yeah, you run into the, yeah, just everybody's <laughs> running to the same doorway over and over and it's just, and, and there always comes a point after like a, an hour or so of that where I'm just like, I don't care if I'm better at this than anybody else. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> I will say, so we were pretty harsh on the multiplayer after playing the beta and I will say this much, I... I think it's improved over the beta pretty significantly. I definitely didn't notice as, mu- as much sync problems yep. as before. I've enjoyed it a lot more than I have the beta. Um, I have, I'm like level 20-something now. Uh, I'm like level 9. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. I understand why you wouldn't go past that. But I'm like level 20, and I think I'll probably play it a little bit more. But here's one thing I would say. I do not like the change... Uh, to the more simplified combat in the game. I, I think it loses a lot having played much more complex games for the last half decade pretty much now, or more actually at this point, if you really want to talk about Modern Warfare 1 and 2 and Black Ops and all that. But the traversal stuff is what more specifically I'm talking about. I really miss that stuff. But here's what I would say. is If you're a player who maybe bought the la- one of the last three Call of Duties and didn't enjoy it because it had become so complicated and you were just getting your butt handed to you because of how complicated the traversal had become and people had mastered it and you hadn't. World War II kind of re-levels the playing field. It really, it's a very simple game to play and really the only skills that you need are learning the maps, 
and having a quick trigger finger and an accurate thumb with the stick. You don't have to worry mm -hmm. about all the crazy jumping and jetpacking and sliding and all this other stuff that complicated games before. And in all honesty, created like a a skill ceiling, I guess, in a lot of ways. It's all gone now. Like, I feel like people who have maybe were good at the first Modern Warfare or the second Modern Warfare, or maybe even the first Black Ops, and then felt like they kind of got left behind after that, this is their game. This yeah. is a game that they can come back to and enjoy again and be competitive at again. Um, and I also feel like the modes, uh, War in particular, is a mode that's going to appeal to a much wider group of people because there's stuff to do other than kill or be killed. Mm -hmm. uh, there are useful roles that you can fill. And this is one, that's one area of this franchise that's always fallen short compared to Battlefield is there just aren't that many roles. Yeah, and you don't like the base gameplay, combat, there's not much else there's for not, you to do. There's nothing for you there. And I feel like War does a good job of doing that. And I feel like the, another place where Sledgehammer tried to accomplish that, but in my opinion failed, is in the classes. I do not like how the classes work now. I don't like how you build your character now. Um... I mean, you can have pretty much any weapon and attachment on any of the classes. But it's like the perks that are different per class. I have no idea why you would ever limit what someone can do with their creative character. That just, that just does not compute to me. And maybe, again, it was Sledgehammer trying to simplify things so that older crowd comes back. I don't know. But that's one part of the multiplayer that I don't like. And I do miss the traversal. I still do like those futuristic versions of the game more. But I think on the whole, a larger group of people will like World War II than have liked the last few games. Hmm. Um, the campaign to me, I just... You said you liked the story. I really just didn't really give a crap about any of it. I, I haven't finished it. I think I'm on like the next to last mission or whatever. But like you, I got to that point and I was just like, I just don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't care what happens to any of these characters. At that point, it had kind of... I just went back to Horizon. Yeah. Uh, zombies, I think, is way better. Uh, I've had way more fun with zombies this time than I've had in a long time, since maybe, like, the first Black Ops. Um, it used to be zombies was only in Treyarch's games. Now it's in all of them. Mm. Um, but this is the most fun I've had with zombies in a long, long time in a Call of Duty game. And so, for once, this added bonus that a lot of people only buy the game for actually has some value for me. Because it's more serious than it has been in the past not quite as, as tongue-in-cheek and corny and it doesn't try to be funny and i always like that more serious angle towards it uh from the they beginning, ever do like so. a futury zombie one kind of like matched the the other future game because i was a little disappointed that infinite warfare's was oh it like, stood like out like a sore comedy thumb. 50s drive-in <laughs> stuff and not that's like, what i'm talking about it yeah. didn't make sense within the context of the greater game this one does as much i mean also it's nazi zombies right which is where it started, and you're actually fighting Nazis again in uh, Call of Duty World War II. So, campaign to me, complete wash, not really worth much. It didn't, to me, I honestly don't feel like they put a lot of effort into it. It feels very much like it's just the same, going through the same scenarios in the same places with the same kind of band of brothers elements. There's to just it. nothing epic about it. Like, every Call of Duty, love them or hate them, there's at least a few moments in every single one of his campaigns where you're like, Damn! Like, after you finish a mission and the screen goes black, you're like, whoa! Yeah, these just sort of stop. Yeah, it's just... 
it just does it. it and at feels one point, like, like you, you, you have that like jeep chase thing, and like you end up in the town and you shoot some guys. You're like, all right, it's getting dark. Everybody, you know, hunker down. I'm like, wait, why don't we go get more? And it's like, no, let's see it. Forget it. And it was like, okay, I guess that was the end of the level. It was. It was. Very it just feels odd. like an afterthought. And maybe that's where games are going now. I mean, campaigns. That's kind maybe of where the, maybe where <laughs> these games are going. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the industry right now. Yeah. Though. I mean, it's. Didn't I didn't feel that about Infinite Warfare's campaign? No, it was amazing. I thought it was great, but it sold like crap. So what does act? What does that teach Activision? Mm-hmm. It teaches Activision. Well, hey, maybe the campaign isn't all that important. Campaign doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, the multiplayer is what matters, and I really believe that these games have become so complicated that it was cutting off a big part of its audience because people are just like, I can't get this. I'm I, I'm finishing games with like two kills and like twenty five deaths or whatever. And they just gave up. And then they hear year after year, we're going even more in. Now we're giving you a freaking jetpack. You, you can do more than slide and run on walls. Now you can fly. And I think a lot of, to us, that sounds great. I think the people who are already intimidated by what had come before it was like, oh my gosh, no, I, let's go back to something more simple. And that is exactly what you get here. Um, oh, most, slide there. Yeah, most of the modes are other than war. Um, and there's one that's like a football mode where you pick up a ball and try to carry it to a goal. Other than those two modes, everything is very stock. It's mm-hmm. team deathmatch. It's domination. It's, it's conquest. It's, it's capture the flag. It's domi- yeah. Hard point. It's, and, and look, I mean, they're usually pretty good about uh, putting out new modes for this. But one criticism I also have of this series over the last few years is they put out cool modes and then they keep them up for like a month in the main playlist and then they go away and then no one even knows they're there anymore and then you can't get a game of them anymore they get, end up getting buried in like the special playlist so i just and i'm still in that thing where like you just die so much yeah like even in, in the footage here it's just like you know time to death is like 30 seconds at most sometimes i mean that's the call of duty formula though that's what mm-hmm. is built its brand on. I just, that's what people love yeah, about it but is, i just like I, mean, I like the battlefield approach a little more where like you can you can keep it going for a while if you if you playing right and you're playing your your role correctly the only way you stay alive in this game is to go someplace where you know there is nobody <laughs> and there is, there, is, there is no place like that i can find they're very circular maps. no you're right a lot of the maps are very circular and i mean i, I would probably guess 70% of the time I get killed, I get shot by someone I never see. Mm-hmm. Just someone who I round the corner, and they round the corner, and they shoot me in the back or whatever. Uh, but that is the formula. That is what has made the series successful for all this time. Mm-hmm. So, And also, like, playing it, like, already people, like, outclass me in a way that I'm just never going to be... I mean, like, watching the replays where it's like... It is what happened on the screen. It's not like that sink problem again. Yeah. But you, you'll, you'll see, like, yeah, I'm, you know, they saw me pass a doorway, like, four quarters that way. They and run then, after and then, you. No, and then they just stop, and they wait, and then they, they pull out, and they point the gun, and I walk right out in front of them, and they shoot yeah. me in the face. And yeah. it's like, they knew exactly where I was going to be, exactly when I was going to be <laughs> That's there. That's what I was and talking like, about earlier, know, about knowing the maps. They know the maps in a way that I'm never going to. Knowing so. the maps is really the key to being good at Call of Duty, mm-hmm. in all honesty. Not just knowing the layout, but knowing the most likely traffic patterns. Right. And knowing where a person is most likely to go once you get that glimpse of them from across the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, knowing where the choke points are. Knowing what, what always happens when a match starts. A lot right. of the best players will get six kills in the first 20 seconds of the game. Mm-hmm. Because they'll sprint, well, they'll saw, get set up somewhere, and they know where everyone's going to come rushing oh, in. I, yeah, I saw that happen. Uh, one, one match where we were, we were on the, the USS Texas map, and... Like half the team, sniper's paradise. Half the team went to the went to the right, and as we came around the second corner, a grenade blew up. 
and we yeah. all died. Yeah, yeah. And it was like he had just tossed it over. Well, it's like once you get good at it, like as soon as you spawn, you throw a grenade. Right. Because you know exactly where their spawn points are. I got that way with like Black Ops and Black mm -hmm. Ops 2. I played it so much and got so good at it that as soon as I spawned, I just turned and threw a grenade. And I guarantee mm -hmm. every time that grenade was landing right on a freaking spawn point or, or some place where people always hold up and camped. Like you just learn it after a while. Um, and some of these people that are playing have been playing like you know they 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 like prestiged in the beta and whatnot. Right. <laughs> like you're, it takes literally months to get that good at the game, and most people don't have that time. So, I mean, it may sound like I'm kind of down on it, but really what I'm saying is, if you're someone who's lapsed on this franchise because the multiplayer got too out of hand and you felt like you couldn't compete, you couldn't dedicate the time to it to become competitive. I think you should jump back in here if you enjoyed the base tenets of what Call of Duty is, because it does take away a lot of the things that really separated the amazing slash great players from just the good players. And uh, I feel like the, the playing field is a lot more level than it was before. This is the war mode right here, by the way. Mm -hmm. In some cases, the war mode is more cinematic than the campaign. <laughs> I'm not even like exaggerating. Yeah. Like This is the war mode. There are cut scenes that open and close each round of the war mode. They kind of give you mm -hmm. context for it. And this is Storming the Beach in Normandy as a multiplayer mode, which is great. Um, and I think that's worth worth a go too. So, yeah, I will say this: like after the beta, I, I like this more now than I did. Um, will I keep playing this? Probably not. Although I will say I'm slightly hooked on it now. Like I, it is kind of turning into this game now where if I have 20 minutes to kill here or there, which I rarely ever have, um, I will play it. I'll pick it up and I'll play a match or two. So, I'll be online. I'm Din Fire. Friend me. We'll kill other people. <laughs> other digital people together hmm. but uh, i i do enjoy now that i've had time with it and played it a good bit i do like it more than i did at the beta and i can understand a little bit more and the other part of it too is that now i've got up to a high enough level where i'm not at a disadvantage because of gear mm -hmm. and that was a huge problem for me especially in the beta and even with this when i first started because i actually jumped in a little later some people were in early and uh, I had that same problem at first, where their gear was just completely outranking yeah. mine. Well, my, the first match I played was, I think, it was the game had been out like two days, I think. Yeah. Well, then you were just oh, way I was behind. in a, um, I was in a, uh, I, you know, you load in the lobby and you see everybody. So my character is level one. The lowest level of anyone else in the game was thirty six. Yeah. And it's just like, and and in this, the matchmaking is not great. <laughs> well, I mean, there probably weren't enough people that low level to match There probably in. were, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you sell that many copies of a mm. game and it's just two days after launch, yeah, there were definitely people to match you up with. Um, I don't even know what they use to match make people, but I do know this. The first day you play this game, it's rough mm. playing against other people who are prestige or 50 or 40 or even 30. It's tough, but try to get over the hump, and I think you'll see what I was talking about, which is ultimately the playing field has been leveled a little bit and intermediate to skilled players can compete in this game and have success. So I think that's it. I think well, that's our last time talking about Call of Duty World War II on Game Face. Mm -hmm. so I don't think it's going to come up in no, uh, game, we, the we, Game of the Year show. No, not for me. Not for me either. And I would be the person who it would be coming from. I'm already starting to figure out like my favorite shooter of the mm -hmm. year and it's I think it's going to surprise people. I feel my... like the, the sound design in this was a little anemic. Yep. Like I, I Agreed. Don't, I don't feel like Agreed. there's... Agreed. There's no punch. It doesn't punch. Although yeah. my wife made a very specific comment that... Cause see, she, so here's how it works. 
I sit on the couch playing. I have a satellite speaker right behind my head, and then she sits to the left of me on her Mac, like surfing the internet or Facebook or whatever. And she, so this satellite speaker is right here in between us. And she walked up and she goes, those gunshots sound really real. Like freaking her out. Like, oh my mm -hmm. gosh. Like I thought someone was shooting outside. So from her opinion, her opinion mm -hmm. is that they sound amazing. I agree with you though. They don't have that. Uh, uh. And Sledgehammer was good at that too. Like having those sound effects that you would just kind of feel in your chest. Mm -hmm. If you had like a really good surround sound set up. And I agree with you. It seems anemic. I just feel like the campaign's a wash. If you're buying it for the campaign, forget it. But uh, multiplayer ended up being better than I thought it was after playing the beta. So there you go. Call of Duty World War II. It's time for our trailer of the week. This is also your opportunity to get your questions into the chat. As always, please use at Sifted Games if you're asking us a question so we can fish the questions out of all the comments that are scrolling through there. It makes it a lot easier for us. And our trailer of the week this week, I had... Assumed all week it was going to be the new cinematic for Overwatch because that kind of mm. happened while we were recording the show last week, um, and it's great. And I was like, "Well, that's the default. It's always it is always anytime there's a new cinematic yeah. release, we it always have it as our trailer of the week." But no, mm. yesterday a brand new game was announced from the studio behind PUBG, Blue Hole. Blue Hole is working on an MMORPG. I don't know if you heard it. Or not. It looks like Tencent no. might buy Blue Hole. I heard that. I didn't hear about this thing we're about to Oh, do. really? No, I didn't wow. hear about this. So, if you know me, or you even just watch Game Face, or you know me from my GT days or Invisible Walls days, you know I never care about MMORPGs. Like, they all they show up, they're like, this is the one, Shane, check it out. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've tried MMOs because people said, this is the one you're going to like. And uh, I always end up not liking them. And it's probably one of my least favorite genres. On Sifted, I have MMORPG turned all the way down for my Sift. But this MMORPG coming from Blue Hole, uh, it's also being developed in conjunction with the folks who created Terra. Mm. Looks awesome. Absolutely awesome. It is called Ascent Infinite Realm. They're truncating that uh, to air. And that's kind of like their logo is, it just says A-I-R. Um, oh, okay, okay. And not only this. I was confused by your printout there. Oh. Because you didn't delete Star Wars. All right. <laughs> You're like, wait, what Star Wars? Star Wars Ascent <laughs> Infinite Realm? What is this? <laughs> no, it's called Ascent Infinite Realm. And here's the other thing, too. Like, a lot, most debut trailers for games, they're like a minute, two minutes max. This is five minutes, folks. Five, they do debut this game with five minutes, and it has the content to back it up. So get those questions in the chat. You're going to have a nice little five-minute window. I may actually run and use the bathroom. we got so much time. Hmm. But here it is, the debut trailer for Ascent Infinite Realm.
All right, Matt, so what do you think? You play a lot of MMOs. Yeah. I don't play them at all. And you're saying meh. I mean, I play MMOs. I don't know. I don't play a lot oh, okay. of MMOs. Oh, okay, to play in MMOs. Like, I play more MMOs than you have, probably. But For like, sure. Um, I, don't know, I mean, yeah, it looks... Even one I, is more than none. I can tell, uh, <laughs> I can tell it's, you know, I, I see the, 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 the Terra pedigree there. Uh, the, the people there, I think, made some of that. And, uh, it's, you know, it's like every fantasy trope rolled into one game. Um, but it's, you know, it's a Korean MMO, so I figured it'll be a giant grind fest, and, like, I, I won't know <laughs> I mean, anyone else. it is an else. MMO, right? Yeah, I won't know anyone else who's playing it, and that'll be that. You know, I don't, it's cool. I'll keep an eye out. See, I think what blew me we'll away. See if it makes it out, even. Yeah. You never know. I think what blew me away was how many different elements there are in it. There's, like, right. uh. It seems like there's a whole other world that takes place in the air. Right. There's like these crazy like, like steampunk attractions. Elements. There's hang gliding. There's these little mm. ships you can fly in. But then you go down on the ground and there's like crazy mechs and like it seems like there's a dash of like monster hunter in there. Monster hunter, you can build. Looks like you can build houses and yeah, farm yeah and there's like crap. Yeah, I mean design manticores. Yeah, and stuff. Yeah. To me, it seemed different. Sure, but it's, it's like, I know how these games are built, and it's like, you're gonna, you know, that cool thing with the mechs on the ships fighting, you're gonna have to play 100 hours to even get an opportunity yeah, to think yeah. about doing I'm that, sure, you know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's like I, I, I see the treadmill in front of that, and I'm just like, oh, it looks cool, I'd play it if it was a single-player RPG, probably, but like, I feel like this is just gonna, you know, I'm Why very... does PUBG not look that good? I don't know, I'm, <laughs> I'm very gun-shy That's my about... big concern, it's like, it's being developed by Blue Hole, which... Right, well, I'm very gun-shy also about kind of the... the the Korean uh, Asian MMOs uh, in the wake of Black Desert Online, because boy, did I hate that game. Oh, you hated it. Yeah, we talked about that back when that came. I just, I just thought it, the performance was terrible. It had, it had, it, you know, even on my like beast rig, it like didn't run right. It's and it's just hard and confusing to see where you need to go, what you need to do. It's all these different subsystems that don't really work together, and you just have to. That's learn that'll kill like, me with MMOs. Just, that'll just totally. Just... Yeah, I mean, it's just like I like the aesthetic that they're showing in that trailer, but I guarantee you, it's not going to be all that much fun to play. So I, I'm just you know, unless it's a real revolution in what these games are, and it looked Twitch-based enough that maybe I'll, I'll probably give it a shot. Yeah. But I fully expect to be so confused by like how the farming works that I just never grow a carrot again. You know, it's, like, it's not a. Color me interested but skeptical. All right. Uh, we do have a little extra time. This episode has been a little shorter than most, so we have a little extra time for questions. So let's get to them. Um, let's see. Uh, there was one I saw. Someone was asking me for my Call of Duty loadout. I think that was Erebus Jones. Yeah, Erebus Jones, what's your current preferred COD World War II loadout for multiplayer? So I just brought it up on the screen. Which is, again, a great advantage of having our new setup is that we have games here and we can just suck them into our TriCaster. So here it is. I'll show you. So I generally play infantry, and I always use an assault rifle pretty much. And what I've settled on is the STG-44. And the way I discovered the STG-44 was because I was getting mopped up by other people with the STG-44. <laughs> Anytime I would get killed really quickly by someone where I was like, hey, that's not fair... I would watch the kill cam, and they had the STG-44. Um, and then I, I go with uh, the closest thing they have to a red dot sight, which is actually kind of like a yellow dot sight. Um, I use high caliber for more uh, penetration. I think it's only for headshots, though, if, I, if I'm correct. Yeah, headshot damage. And I have almost everything unlocked for this. I actually started with the base assault rifle and then switched over to this one. I haven't completely unlocked everything for it yet. Uh, extended mag. And then I have not even really figured out what advanced rifling does. 
because uh, I unlocked well, it, it. Should it should be accuracy? Is that what it is? Because uh, I unlocked it for my prior gun and I enabled it, and I couldn't really tell a difference at all. I mean, rifling should make the bullet travel straighter. You would think it would make it more accurate at longer distances, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I couldn't tell a difference. Um, but yeah, so I use a grip to keep it steady, so you don't get the rise when you fire the gun. I use high caliber to make sure my headshots do more damage, and then I use a reflex sight, which is the closest thing to a red dot sight in the World War II era. Uh, so that's my loadout. And then I use a bazooka, although I've not figured out if there are, and maybe this is again because of the era, if there are any launchers that will lock onto... No. There aren't. Not, not in the World War II. Dude, it is so hard to shoot a plane out of the air manually firing a bazooka. Yeah, I'm pretty sure anyone who's used a bazooka would agree with you. And that has a huge <laughs> impact on the multiplayer, though, because when people send up like their, their planes that track your movements, in most games, like mm -hmm. I would always have a bazooka as my sidearm, and I'd just shoot it down immediately. And it would help me with kill streaks and things like that, and it would help your team because you're not tracked on radar. You're basically tracked on radar almost all the time now in multiplayer in this game, mm -hmm. which is a big, big change as well from a lot of prior games. It helps you track enemies, but it also helps them track you. Uh, it also cuts down on camping, though, because you can't really mm -hmm. just sit somewhere because people will see you on the radar and they'll just come up and kill you. So there you go. That's my loadout. Uh, I use a frag grenade for my lethal. Uh, I want the satchel charge. I just don't have it yet. Uh, so for now, I just use lethal. I, I wouldn't mind using the mine either. I have to get to 22 before I can get there. So anyway, there it is. That's my loadout. Uh, and I do have alternates. Like I set up, like the grease gun is the most common SMG people use. Uh, so I set up mm -hmm. one with the grease gun, but I hardly even use it. I use it for like a couple matches. And I, you can see I'm only level two with that gun. Um, and then I set up a shotgun because I wanted to get the... Uh, the uh, dragon shells, because that's mm. another. That's 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 what I do with Call of Duty. Is I see what people are kicking my butt with, and then I try to use it to see if it works for me. And nine times out of ten, I just end up going back to the assault rifle. Oh, we didn't talk about this either, though. This completely empty social hub that they have. Yeah, I couldn't. So I got, I did get to this where it's like with a commend a fellow soldier thing. I like, how do you do that? I, I've never seen another soldier. I know. So you can't. I think this is actually a huge glitch slash problem with the game is that they have not managed to get other players into the social hub mm -hmm. without it crashing. I've never seen another human player in this social hub, and therefore I never use it. I'll go and I'll get my mail to get like my free like payroll every day or whatever. Thank you. And I'll go and like I did the things that I thought I had to do. Like I went and the one thing I do like about it, see that tower over there? That's a kill streak training, which is something this series has never had. It has never given you the ability to just practice using kill streaks. Hmm. So what happened to me a lot of times is when I'm playing a, a game, I get a really awesome kill streak and I completely fumble it because mm. I didn't know how to use it. I cannot believe it's taken so long for this feature to be included in a Call of Duty where you can just try every kill streak and get good with them. Do you have any I, supply drops? Uh, drop a loot box. Oh yeah, let's let's drop a loot box. Looks like I got one. Let's call it in. Me. So this is what people were complaining. <laughs> this is what people were complaining about. Woo! And I can't tell you. I have so many grips. I yeah, there's a lot of grips. I literally have like 800 grips at this point. Nice uh, XCOM reference, though. Yeah. A lot of the drops, in all honesty, have been pretty much worthless to me. I don't think I've used hardly any yeah, of them. I, got, I, I got one in my first like the things they give you when you first get. I, I got an epic 
like banner thing that was uh, called like World War Cat or something. It's just like <laughs> it's just like cats in like uh, a war scenario. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh yeah, that's that's my background. There you go. <laughs> But uh, no, I'm random. I like the animated ones. Yeah, I mean, generally to me, that's good. Like, if I get stuff right. in the loot boxes that I don't really care about, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Because when there's stuff in there that you actually want, that's when things start to get dicey. So, how about a fellow soldier? <laughs> yeah, one of those <laughs> in a box. <laughs> how hilarious would it be if a Dropbox down and a dude just gets up out <laughs> of it? <laughs> good job, sir. Done. I can finally XP. commend somebody. All right. So anyway, there you go. There's my loadout from uh, World War II. Uh, Vox is saying, see you online, Shane. Add me, man. We'll play. At least for a little while longer. I'll keep going for an- at least another week. Uh, JMRain99, can you give us an update on the health of Sifted? I am checking the Patreon to see if the amount is rising near the 6,000 threshold and have seen a dip. I up my amount to do my part. Thank you very much. I really want to see Sifted live forever. So, yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. The Patreon has dipped down. There's no doubt about it. It's gone down. It hasn't gone down below where it was when i started the 24-hour live stream if that mm. were to happen that would be pretty much soul crushing uh but it has gone down in the la- literally in the last like week um the turnover for th- actually the day before the monthly turnover we lost like a hundred dollars a month which wasn't that big of a deal because i figured people would They'd be like mm. oh my gosh tomorrow i have to pay i'm gonna get out um but then since then it's continued to go down which is disappointing. Um, well, I, Patreon stuff tends to fluctuate like that. I think yeah. you see, you'll see some of that come back near the end of the month as people are sure that their budget is in place. Yeah. And, I mean, truth be told, like, um, other than people saying, like, one of the most common comments we got was, I don't feel like I'm getting enough content just for my tier. Um, and so we've been trying to do that. Like, the Ask Shane Anything videos are just for people at 10 or over for three days, and then every all our patrons can get to it. So we're trying to be cognizant of that. But the other most common, and honestly, by the numbers, the most common reason for ex- in, in, in excerpt interviews for why people have left are my money situation changed. So mm-hmm. I can't fault somebody for leaving if they just don't have the money to contribute. So I'm totally fine with it. I'm not angry or anything. Uh, we're just kind of learning how this all works. It's been mm-hmm. a very interesting process figuring out how Patreon works. Um, as far as our situation is concerned, we have a lot of things that are kind of in the works behind the scenes. Uh, that makes me want to, conti- to continue giving it a chance because we, I had a great call with Patreon. Uh, they're really excited, one, about us because we're one of the highest grossing new Patreon accounts that they have. One, two, my history uh, and the fact that I've worked in television and then worked in digital and worked with pretty much every revenue stream at this point on the planet uh, and have ultimately decided to work with Patreon. They love that story. And then the other part that Patreon really loves is how we have integrated Patreon into our website, which is something no one's really done. Um, the fact that you get rewards on Patreon and then you come to Sifted and you get something on a website and it's all tied and linked together, they were blown away by that. They were blown away by how we've combined our revenue stream on site with their revenue stream and have linked the two sites. And so they've actually requested, in addition to doing an interview with me, to do an interview with Brent about the tech side of it and how he incorporated all that stuff. So um, there's a couple other irons in the fire that have a a possibility to bring in revenue for us. So I'm sticking it out. I think that we have a chance to to really make it successful. I, I gotta say, it felt so good to write myself a check last month. Hmm. I, wow, like it just, I can't even tell you how it felt after all the hard work that I've done to be able to even write myself a small check 
from Sifted was an amazing feeling. And I, I owe it all to you guys. Thank you guys so much. Um, I mean, in so many ways, Patreon has been a, a game changer, a life changer for me already. Um, but the other thing that I found is, is that I'm working even more hours now than I did before. We did have a huge rush of people to help us curate. Everybody was really on board at first, but then they started doing it. And they started to realize it's hard, you know, you have to really know your stuff. You have to be really attention, have to have a great attention to detail. And so we signed up a ton and now literally there's like three left who are still doing it. And I, I just want to say here publicly on this show that Vincent... Uh, Sifted user Vincent has turned out to be an absolute superstar. He is far and away the best curator the site has ever had, other than me. And I'm not saying that hmm. because I'm conceited or whatever. It's, I've been doing it forever. He, in a matter of weeks, has become pretty much just as good as me at doing it. In every facet. Just tagging it. Writing blurbs. Knowing how to rate stuff. There's so much that goes into it. Everyone's just like, ah, oh, you just throw stuff up. That's not how it works at all. So I just want to say publicly, uh, in front of all the sifters and the patrons, Vincent, man, you are tearing it up. He's doing an amazing job. And look, we have a couple other guys. Burkhaw's been doing a good job. Um, the impartialist has been doing We have people who are helping, and it's made a big difference. But the added responsibilities of Patreon have... <coughs> outweighed the amount of time that I was spending during mm. curating. So I am actually sleeping less now than I ever have before, working more hours. I literally worked, a, I guess when it was all said and done, I worked from 8 in the morning yesterday until 2.30 a.m. And I took, I literally took an hour off to eat dinner and watch a little bit of the football game. And I worked the whole rest of the time. So that part of my life hasn't changed. But just getting a paycheck is like... Oh my gosh, it felt so good after all the hard work. So thank you guys very much. Thanks to all our patrons. Uh, it's amazing what you guys have done. So the totals have gone down. I'm not disheartened. I'm going to keep at it. We're going to do a Patreon drive on Black Friday. And hopefully we can boost that number up a little bit. Um, <coughs> we're going to keep going. And that's all because of you guys. So thank you. Uh, cheater hater. Oh, <laughs> cheater hater. He's talking about curating in the chat. Um, he wanted to say, I just curated a story from VentureBeat that talks to Vince and goes into more detail on the respawn acquisition stuff. Probably answers a lot of the questions we had mm -hmm. on the show. So if you guys want to read that, there you go. Uh, Justin Horman, Ubisoft seems to have bet wisely on giving the Assassin's Creed series a break for a year. Which other game series do you think would benefit greatly from a year-long break? Madden. Yes. Well, EA actually came out this week and said, hey, maybe there's going to be a year without a Madden, and mm. it may turn into a games as a service. Again, something we've been talking about yeah. forever that they should do. Why don't they hire us, Matt? We can just do this consulting on the side. We can just do all this stuff for fun. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we've been telling them this. They need to watch Game Face. But, uh, yeah, it looks like EA maybe that yeah, may well, be Yeah, why don't they just watch Game Face and send us really big Patreon? That'd members. be great, too. That'd yeah. be awesome. Um yeah, so, I mean, Call of Duty, probably. I mean, even though they have you, three yeah. developers making it, like, I don't know. Do we need a new one every year? Probably not. Um, there's tons, really. Yeah, I mean... Uh, or maybe there are tons. I don't know. I, I, I mean, U Ubisoft uh, was kind of the, the chief offender there, and they seem to have backed off of that. Yeah, and, and even um, it had multiple studios making Creed. Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe DICE could use a step back to kind of reinvent how they do things overall because it seems like they're just sort of 
plugging Star Wars and, and Battlefield into the same slots over well, and over are. again. So cut, they're cutting and pasting, yeah. basically. I mean, that oversimplifies it, obviously. But Right. I mean, it's still like, like the Starfighter thing was a really cool reinvention of that. It's, yeah. But, but at the same time, it's like that really should have been how it started as. Yeah. And, but, you know. The other thing, too, with Creed is, look, this is just the first, like, week and a half of sales. With that game, the next four or five months really matter. Yeah. And especially the next, like, three weeks when Black Friday hits and everyone has their Christmas club checks and everyone's figuring out where they're going to spend their holiday money. That's when the rubber hits the road. It's good to mm. see. I think it sold almost double of Syndicate for the first week it was available or something, which is great. Um, I feel like we don't but I don't think it's out of the woods yet. No, I, I, don't, I feel like we don't need a Forza every damn year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I, mean, I realize Horizon and the main series are not. Yeah, they alternate. So, but, but like, Do I need another Forza Horizon next year? No. Probably not. You don't. Especially not in a year with the... Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I give the crew too, too much credit. We don't know, <laughs> yeah. we don't know what that's going to be like. Yeah, but. yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the Forza series in general, I think, could really use a break. And, unfortunately, with that studio, that's all it does. Yeah. Unlike Gorilla, Like, I can't see Turn 10 suddenly creating an open-world <laughs> action RPG. Probably not. I don't think that's going to work out the same way. They so. have an expertise that I think they've chosen. Yeah, and I think and they're called Turn 10. And I think that that is holding Microsoft back, having a lot of money tied up into one studio that only creates driving games. Yeah, very. So. It's, it's an over-specialization problem. Right? That in a genre that isn't yeah. especially but popular. But that's universal at Microsoft right now. I mean, that the coalition, the coalition just makes Gears of War game. Their logo is the Gears yeah, symbol. Yeah, yeah. Three four three makes Halo. I mean, that's what yeah. they do. It is. Like, yeah. They're not. They're not agile enough. Yeah. You know, if if some if suddenly there's no more appetite for that. Series. What do you do? What does that company do? You now? Close them down. Yeah. <laughs> or you reorganize and call e- it something e- different. You sell um, them to EA. That's what you do. <laughs> uh, Yabaka PC. You guys should review PUBG and talk about it on stream. This game is very good. I think we talked about PUBG a ton on Game Face. We talked about it again today in relationship to uh, Blue Hole's new MMORPG. Um, we have talked about PUBG exhaustively in every facet the game itself, what it's like to play it. We've talked about the financial uh, implications of it. Uh, we've talked about it, about uh, the competition with Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about and all this before I've even played it. Yeah, yeah. You may be new to the show, and if that's the case, welcome. Hope you're enjoying the show. Make sure you follow us so you get an alert when we go back up on stream. Uh, but yeah, we've talked about it a ton, and I'm sure we will even more on down the road. So, um. W. Matthew, at least in the circles I am in, I have tried Destiny 2, then played Warframe, and I said they prefer Warframe. Do you think on PC, given how much Warframe is like, do you think Destiny 2 on PC will last? I don't know. It's a good question. About, I mean, I don't, it seems to be have, have been pretty well received on PC. Yeah, um, and they did a good job on it. Yeah, and it's part of, uh, it's part of you know, the Blizzard application, so it's not like you have to put something else on your computer that you didn't already have. That yeah. was smart. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, is it going to be longevity there? I don't know. Like, War- I think there War- will be. I, I think, think it will be. I th- Warframe is a weird beast because, like, you go- I haven't played that in forever. I played it 
It was free at PlayStation 4 launch. Yeah. And I literally played it for like two hours and was like, no thanks. But it's not, you wouldn't recognize it. Oh, it's the completely, game. I know it's completely it's changed, like, yeah. And I hadn't played it's it. It's kind of a model well, for free to play game, games. That's now. the game that broke my PS4. Oh, right. My PS4 because it kept, it kept <laughs> freezing and crashing Everybody when, when I played Warframe. And I actually called Sony. I'm like, yeah, I need, I just think like there's a fan that is overheating. It's clearly overheating. And mainly it overheats when I play Warframe. And they actually said, can you just not play Warframe? I'm like, that is not an answer to this problem. They're like, they That's said great. that. And they said it with that sheepish kind of like, could you just not play Warframe? I'm like, no. The system doesn't work right. That's not how it works. But truth be told, it could be their programming. It could not be the system's fault. It, well, it was definitely. I mean, Digital Extremes is not what I would call the most... Yeah polished look yeah. um but clearly it was making it run hotter and that was causing it to overheat and be a problem you know yeah. that was not happening with resogun you know yeah, yeah and uh but I, I so i booted it up um there was that thing like, like a few weeks ago last month a month or two ago where um there was a price error on steam where they sold the 140 dollar like bundle thing for 9.99 yeah yeah so i, I bought that <laughs> and and loaded it up for the first time in probably three years and it's like there's so much stuff it's now. a different game and then man. like a week after that the open world update hit and like when i'm like it's it, yeah it's destiny like they, they kind of they kind of turned it into destiny over the course of the last few years and it's janky but it's it's fun it's become a poster child for how to handle free-to-play games mm-hmm. and being able to pivot in fact certainly you, you see cliff mentioning it a lot <laughs> yeah and i think he may be doing that same pivot very quickly <laughs> I've seen some really nasty stuff directed towards him over the last couple of weeks on social media. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I feel bad for the guy, but... For a new reason? or just... No, just because of... Because lawbreakers didn't work out too well, so we got to make him feel bad about it. I think that's... It. that's Look, that's the danger when you're someone <clears throat> like Cliff, right? When mm-hmm. And he's never a jerk or anything. He's just, he's just a confident guy. Mm-hmm. And he always has been. And he has a little bit of a swagger to him. And the problem is, when you're that type of a person... When things go wrong, people love to go after you. Right. Um, and that, I think that's what's happening to him right now. And he's really not, like, if you know him, he's really not that way. No. Like, he's a really humble guy. You never know he's worth, like, hundreds of millions of dollars no, or he's whatever. Very, and, and he's just an excited gamer, just like everybody oh, yeah. else. And, man, like, you know, he feels the weight and the responsibility of running that company, I think. And, yeah. And the last couple times I've talked to him and asked him how it's going, the first thing he says is how much he's worried about keeping everyone's jobs going like, yeah. like his his biggest worry repeatedly since the last few times i've seen him is like he's like all these people's families are in my hands and like that's the hardest thing i've ever had to sleep at night yeah knowing. and i'm like he, you know he's a he's a he's a good dude and he and he you know there's not a ton of people who own big companies who think that way. no most you know? of them don't like and so <laughs> most like, of them look at it like why well, i had to bust my butt to get here and you're got to do the same and right this some, is just the nature of things. Some companies work out, some don't. You're, if it doesn't work out, you got to find another but job. But he's and, the kind of guy who's up at night, yeah. worried about the children maybe he's never even met that have to rely on his company's success to continue to eat. Yep. You know, and and so I hope he he figures a way to pull this game out of its nosedive. Or you yeah, know, it, it's it's a it's a hard situation to be in, and and. Uh, I don't envy him. It, it sucks to watch people like put him through the ringer over it because I don't think he intended. To do, and I also this, think people like, are being overly harsh on the game too. Like, I yeah. think it's a good game. It just it is. 
just didn't manage to find its niche. Like yeah. people are saying, like it's a garbage game. It's like shut up. It just man. didn't. It's catch. not a garbage game. Titanfall Two insane. didn't sell either, but yeah. that's a damn good game. And Vince just sold his company for half a billion dollars. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, back to your original question. I honestly think Destiny and Destiny Two works better on PC. I think. PC players are actually more used to playing grindy games like that. So I think Destiny 2 ultimately is going to do great. I, think also, it's... I do know a few people who, uh, <clears throat> who, went, who played it on PS4 and then jumped to PC. Yeah. And they all seem to think, you know, and granted a lot of them are PC gamers from, from of old, mm-hmm. but like they're like, you know, the, the, the aiming, the improvement in aiming from using mouse and keyboard makes it a better game to me. I and, can see that. And they're sure. like, I'm going to stick with a PC version. Yep. So. Uh, let's see. Let's for a couple more. Uh, here's from Wolfox10JC. Matt, Thor Ragnarok impressions. I thought it was great. I mean, not like high art or anything, but it was a lot of fun. And that's really all I demand out of a Thor movie because the last one wasn't very fun. Um... Uh, I get like people that are kind of like upset that it was like, you know, you know, uh, you know, a laugh a minute kind of thing. It's like more jokey and like people, you know, people don't like the DC movies because they're they're depressing and dark and annoying, and people don't like the Marvel movies because they're light and jokey and annoying. Um, but like I, I love those characters. Like it's like it's like I don't even care that the plot lines are like the same thing, world-ending thing, blue light in the sky stuff. Like, I like seeing all these characters again. I go, I go to these movies to see everyone again. It's, it's, like, it's like going to dinner with your friends every few months, you know? Yeah. And, like, it's just fun to see Thor and, and, and Banner interacting and, and all this stuff. And some of the new, you know, Jeff Goldblum is great as Jeff Goldblum. Because <laughs> um, he literally is playing Jeff Gold space Jeff Goldblum. Oh, really? I mean, it's, 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 if Jeff Goldblum was an intergalactic gladiator pit owner he would be this person <laughs> to me this seems like the most polarizing movie in recent memory um as far as my social feeds go like on facebook and twitter mm. you get one person who says oh my gosh amazing go see it immediately next person's like went to see it didn't like it don't get what the hype's mm. about i've like, only seen a couple people that weren't into it yeah uh, the versus like wonder woman where everyone was like oh my gosh amazing well see i was in the other boat on wonder woman because i think wonder woman is good but not great wow okay. and i think the third act of wonder woman is a giant fumble not really um it's just super standard screams got reshot to hell by studio notes yeah um doesn't doesn't pay off the the Build really up. nice setup of Acts 1 and 2. Act 3 is really standard superhero movie fare, and I was not impressed by gotta, it. Gotta resolve everything, gotta set it up for the sequel. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> That's um, pretty much the formula. But at the same time, it's head and shoulders above anything in the DC Extended Universe so far. So I just love the whole concept of the movie, that it empowers women. Yeah, and so it does. Yeah. And so it did, and became a hit because of that, and deserves to be. Um, I just think uh, next time I hope they come up with a good ending yeah i haven't seen either one of them so i'm just gonna stay out of that conversation uh let's see if we got a couple more here we're seeing uh fratterly final thoughts on super mario odyssey did you play it more matt a little bit mostly been playing assassin's creed um more more i play of it the more i'm like mm, oh really i got i you know it feels like kind of like a kirby game to me like just yeah, I mean, I can understand that. You're throwing you're your hat instead abilities. of sucking somebody in your mouth, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like you're basically taking the ability and using that to get through the section and doing that. No, I get that. It's because the, the the gameplay design, the concepts yeah. are the sim are similar to Kirby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it, I 
I don't dislike it, but it's not a priority on my on my mind to jump back into it. It's not setting my world on fire the way Zelda did back in the back when it just when Zelda just hooked me, and this one did not. I love it. I, I have not has not changed one bit. In fact, probably part of the stream uh, Black Friday will be me trying to get all the moons. Uh, I definitely am going to dedicate a, a big chunk of. How many moons do you have now? Uh, like five hundred, something like that. I think there's nine hundred in the whole game. Mm -hmm. Um, I have still not got to play it as much as I would like. It's like one of these things that like I pick it up and play it for like an hour here, an hour there. Uh, but the other thing I really like about it is that you can pick it up and play it for a very short period of time and get stuff out of it. Mm. And remember how we were talking about how some of the moons are like so easy to get and everything? And it, that's obviously the case, and it still is the case. But what I found is like I actually started playing it a little bit handheld style. Uh, while I was like watching something on TV, I just lay on the couch and play it a little bit. And every time I've ever turned the game on, I've actually accomplished something. And sometimes maybe I only have like 20 minutes and I still accomplish something. Like I get one of those dumbass moons that's just sitting there. But it, what it does is it makes me realize it's worth picking it up and playing it for that short period of time. Hmm. Um, whereas great. with other games, I always think sometimes it's like, oh, that's like with Zelda. I was like, man, I can't really just pick this up and play it for an hour. I may play it for an hour, but I may not accomplish anything. And with this game, like, I can look at my Switch sitting there, and I'm like, oh, I have 45 minutes. I can actually do something in that amount of time. And so I found myself actually giving myself the opportunity to play it for those short bursts of time. Because it's interesting, because to me, what that feels like is mobile game design. It is. It totally it's, is. It's like that thing where, it oh, I, I open it up, is. and I press the, press the thing, and I harvested my, my energy thing, and, like, I got a thing. I did a thing. You know? it, 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 you're absolutely right. That's, it is. And that's mm -hmm. why it's funny. Like, I, at first, I'd never thought about playing it in handheld mode. And then, like, one night, I'm still having problems with my Switch. I can't play right. with the Joy. I have to play with, like, the Pro Controller or whatever. And I was like, well, I can play it in handheld mode. I don't feel like sitting in the computer chair for another two hours after I just sat in it for 13 hours working today. And so I decided to go plop on the couch with it in a handheld mode. And what I played it for, like, an hour the first time, and I got, like, five moons. And I was like, I actually, like, did something, put it down. And then when I we came back, we went and got dinner. I came back, saw it there, and I was like... Oh, what do I have now? I have an hour. I'm like, oh, I can... And I found that every time I play it, I actually do something and get something accomplished. And that has kept me coming back to it and playing it more. So uh, I love it. I think it's great. I love the controls are sublime. Uh, the more I play it, the more I learn the nuances of the little stuff that you can do and how you can combine Mario's moves to do some amazing stuff and find some cool places. I'm all over it. Super Mario Odyssey is ace. Um, all right, this is the last question. Fox 91, is there any developer working now he would think that would wind up in a similar situation to that of Gorilla, namely being known for making a particular game, but then making something different and finding success with it? We talked about it earlier with Respawn. I think Respawn mm -hmm. could do it. I think, uh, maybe not this time around, but I think Sucker Punch could do it. I, I, don't think, I don't think Sucker Punch has to make open world action games forever. It hasn't. I mean, right. it has a history of making different genres, right. so absolutely, yeah. Um... I think we saw, we've seen Insomniac do that transition from a studio that generally made one type of game and branched out to make a bunch yeah. of other ones, so it's proven it can do it. Hasn't been as successful no. with those other genres as it was its base genre it started with, um, but I think we're going to see it again. But made some worthwhile stuff. I mean, look, Spider-Man is unlike anything that it's made mm -hmm. before. I mean, this is something brand new, new for Insomniac. Yeah. Um, hmm... Oh, I just had one. I mean, the I one caveat it. I would have is that any developer that is making, like, 
Telltale that is making games that aren't especially interactive. I think those studios are kind of behind the eight ball if they go to try to make something yeah. different. And again, I did mention that earlier that Telltale's kind of trapped in this place where mm-hmm. it ha- it's known for games that don't have a lot of interactivity and therefore it's kind of pigeonholed, again, like we said about Turn 10, where you just like, right. where do you go now if, you're, if things aren't working out? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, hopefully, Retro. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We don't know what they're working on. I mean, but... it's, Matt, it's starting to look like Donkey Kong. Yeah, the, 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 the rumors are bubbling up. Well, Reggie basically said it in an interview with, I think it was Bloomberg, Bloomberg or Time. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that he, the one where he finally admitted the Wii U was a failure? Yeah. Yeah. But then he said, we have a Donkey Kong game coming, and for <sighs> Switch. Yeah. And as soon as he said that, I was like... Got, yeah, that's what Retro does, so... Why? Why? Get ready for... Arctic firestorm. <laughs> uh, that's so discouraging, man. I feel bad for retro, but but yeah. I mean, it looks like a Donkey Kong game is coming to Switch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be awesome. I mean, yeah, sure. the last one was, but not that kind of not the kind of awesome I'm looking for mm-hmm. from retro studios. Very so. pretty. Yeah. I don't even like the Donkey Kong games. I thought Tropical Freeze was a beautiful looking and game. Gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, Retro always gets the most out of whatever hardware it works mm-hmm. on. I don't know how, but it always manages to. So, I mean, Metroid Prime is still a minor miracle. Oh, I mean, look at what that thing is doing running on a GameCube. Yep. It's ridiculous, man. So, uh, got a lot of love for them. I just feel like they're just getting mismanaged and misused, in all honesty, but... It is what it is. It's like they always say, if they don't like it, they can leave their jobs and go do something sure. else, right? Yeah, I don't know. Well, they're in Texas, right? Uh, yes. Yep, Austin. Yeah, there's other opportunities around. For there, sure, guess, for sure. If for anything that isn't like washed and flooded out at this point anyway. They had a terrible flooding down there. All right, so now a word from our sponsor. Extraturns.com. Your games deserve more. There's so many stores and sites that will charge you 10, maybe 15% or more for the privilege of selling a used game. They charge zero. Extraturns.com is a brand new marketplace being built from the ground up so you can sell your games, collectibles, electronics, and memorabilia. Not only will we beat, will we beat our competitors' commission in every category important to you, but we will also make exchanging your used games commission-free. You get 100% of the value of your collection. Sign up for the pre-launch and share us on social media to be entered to win an SNES Classic this holiday season. Extraturns.com. So, I want to give you a note. I did get an email from Extraturns this week, and one, we're working on new copy that will be updated for the promo. And again, I want to thank them for sponsoring Game Face. Uh, but they also said, I, we've got some messages from people saying they had tried to go and couldn't sign up. They, they're aware of the issue and they're working on it. So, uh, stay tuned. Everything should be fixed very soon, and we should have an update from Extraturns soon as well. So, I think that's it. We actually did have a shorter episode this time. Yeah. Not by much. Not dramatic. <laughs> we didn't hit the three-hour mark. But I'll tell you what, yeah, though. Like, it makes a big difference in the rest of my day. Like, literally, every 30 minutes, it gets extrapolated out like four or five times. <laughs> now, I'm not kidding. So, when a show is like a half hour shorter, that actually means that I can go to sleep like two hours earlier. Because of the post? Because every, yeah, every process that we go through is almost mm. real time. So, that 30 minutes gets stacked like four times, mm. and it means more sleep for me. So there you go. Maybe I'll actually get a decent amount of rest. Although probably not because I have to be at PAX early tomorrow. Guys, don't forget, go ask questions for Pactor Factor right now. These are the last episodes for 2017. It's your last chance 
to get questions to him before we turn over for 2018. Last chance to ask him what Christmas dinner will be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, get those in. I have to go shoot early tomorrow. Everybody, thanks for being on the stream and watching the show. Game Face is up and out. Yeah.